and welcome to a very special episode of Overdrinkers. My name's Mike Burge. I'm your host here for the rest of the night or afternoon, day, whatever time it is where you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Uh, I mentioned that it was a special episode and that's because uh, for the first time on Overdrinkers, we are going to be discussing the big budget breakthrough film cinematic franchise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, to the layman. Um, we haven't really talked about it all that much on here. Usually we reserve that for uh, Robbie and Jack over on Hot Takes. They've been catching all like the new ones that have been coming out from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, but now it's our turn. Getting ready for Avengers Infinity War that's coming out... Uh, uh, next April or in just like a little a uh, little over a month. So to get ready, we're going to do, start doing a couple uh, a little mini series on some random Marvel movies. And starting it off today, uh, I am joined by the lovely, talented, intelligent, beautiful, uh, gr- grammatically correct <laughs> Diana DeMuro. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, and today we are going to be uh, tackling the culmination of the phase one of the MCU, the uh, Joss Whedon's The Avengers from 2012, uh, directed by Joss Whedon, written by Joss Whedon, story by Joss Whedon and um, Zach Penn. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of my fucking favorite movies of all time. It's definitely my favorite Marvel movie. So it's kind of fun that we get to start this one off. Like it makes sense to start here. We can talk about phase one. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, we're pretty much going to try and not really talk about anything beyond phase one, anything beyond, uh, Marvel's The Avengers. Uh, we might like slip in there and stuff because we want to talk about how fucking dope Tom Holland is as Spider-Man and everything like that and make little tiny references. But for the most part, we're going to try and stick to phase one, uh, cause we got a bunch more episodes that are coming out in the next month that are going to kind of tackle all that other stuff. But uh, before we even get started on everything, as always on Overdrinkers, we are drinking a themed alcoholic beverage uh, that has something to do with the movie. And so today we are drinking some old fashions because with all the events that are going on right now, maybe what we need is a little old fashioned. Cheers. So cheers to you. Mm -hmm. So slurpy. So slurpy. You got to make it. It's a. It's a audio. Oh, yeah, I see. it's an audio fest. It's a sensory experience. Yeah, and for those who don't know, old fashioned. You get yourself. Uh, you get yourself some uh, aromatic bitters. Woo. Uh, some bourbon or rye. We're doing bourbon. Uh, some simple syrup and then some orange or lemon, maybe a cherry. Mix that stuff all up. Pour it over ice, and it is an absolute distinctive delight. I'm gonna have another <laughs> sip back there. Mm. So. Uh, Diana and I recently rewatched uh, the Avengers. Indeed. Uh, we've been kind of uh, combing through all the different Marvel movies to get ready for Infinity War, which like is looking dope. You okay. know, it's looking super, super dope. Uh, clutch. You're just gonna keep saying dope. It's dope. It's clutch. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's uh, it's me IRL. It's me in real life. Like Ooh. that's just what it is, man. Um, so. Diana, uh, this was uh, more than half your idea of uh, getting together to talk about the two Avengers movies. You watched oh. Civil War yeah, not, not too long ago. but yeah. And but you were kind not... of like, this is kind of interesting. Like, pumped. It's so weird how much they change so aggressively from like yeah. 
Yeah, because the first Avengers, I, I it took me a minute to remember that that came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. So we've been, you know, building this little tiny empire for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. And I remember like what a big deal it was that Joss Whedon was going to direct this. It was a very big deal. It was huge. Mm-hmm. So. Seconded only to when James Gunn got Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. But we won't go there. Now yet. we understand that because this happened first mm-hmm. and kind of opened that door. It was like a thing where when it was revealed that Joss Whedon was not only going to write, but also direct the culmination of all of these characters coming together yeah, for the first time it. on the big screen. It was like, wow, something to live for. That's I. It's one of those things that no, happens. It was 2012. Things were better. We were a little bit more upbeat back then. Well, there was the idea that like the there world was, was going to end at some point soon. Like in 2012, there was that whole oh, idea like the Mayan calendar. I think uh, it was maybe Mayan later calendar. on in there. Yeah. You never know. And, I don't know. You know, it, it's, who knows if that actually matches up with our actual calendar? So <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. So. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, but it's like it's one of those things that when. When something like that comes around, you're just like, God, I hope I don't die until that happens. Jesus. Yeah. Like when Ryan Johnson got Star Wars The Last Jedi, it was like, oh my God, Ryan Johnson is going to write and direct a Star Wars movie that's going to be in the canon of the now soon to be nine episodes of the Skywalker saga. Right. I don't want to die before that happens. So I don't want to like get too off topic, but okay. do you want to give like a little bit of a little bit of a plug of why... You've always liked Joss Whedon. Oh, I think anybody that's listened to the podcast kind of knows where I'm coming from from here. But right. if you haven't, uh, I'm a big buffhead. Right. I'm a big. I'm part of the Scooby Gang. And I, I didn't watch Buffy until we met. Yeah, we watched it together. But I had watched Firefly. Mm-hmm. My dad always liked having that on if there were reruns on, like. I don't know what station, but there would usually be reruns on, and we'd be watching it together mm-hmm. if it was on. Firefly, rest in peace. <laughs> Same with Nathan Fillion's physique, rest Aww. in peace. Hey, he's still got charm for days. He can live on that. And that hair. Great. That he hair still looks great good. in Dr. Horrible. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love Buffy. The Vampire Slayer, which Joss Whedon, uh, you know, created and like brought to TV and just it uh, went on and had a spinoff in Angel. It's got a great uh, spinoff comic book series that I've been reading. That's just it. It's everything that you want it to be. Uh, and you had never seen uh, Buffy, the Vampire Slayer or Angel. And uh, when we started dating, we like you, you watched that through it correct. for the first time. Yeah. And I think it was like my fourth rewatch. Well, I guess like to be perfectly honest, I'd probably seen bits and pieces of it in real time when it was on tv what but it was only because i was in college and we had a shared tv room and you're not gonna like this but i would come down to watch dawson's creek oh i love dawson's Creek. and that would be on usually either before i think it would be on before before dawson's creek i think buffy was on first i think buffy was on earlier at one point on the wb11 on the wb in the in the golden age of the wb Mm -hmm. before Um, the cw before this before the wb and upn decided to merge and create the cw Mm -hmm. as we know it but uh yeah so i used to catch bits and bits and pieces of it but not enough to to be like yeah i want to get in on this Mm -hmm. because i didn't know because i was young and one of like the best things about Buffy that I really like, and I think that most people that are really big fans of it that have watched it and seen what it is and given it the time to like really fall in love with its characters and everything is that Joss Whedon is very good at establishing characters. He's very good at dialogue. He's very good at being funny, making these very sincere, slightly cheesy, but like my slice of cheese, you right. know, like yeah. kind of moments where it can really uh, 
it kind of transcends the meat like the genre that they're like messing around with where he's like i'm dealing with like spooky horror tropes and stuff but it's also everything's a metaphor for uh like a, a substitute teachers or like the first right. time you fall in love or like yeah. anything like from big to small ideas he's always tackling and in the avengers the avengers at their core are about is it's a it's a story about family and the movie really does kind of present this idea it's like these people that you know joss whedon said he's like the Avengers, his film, these characters should not be in the same room, let alone like on the same planet. And yet they have to work together to be a team. And that's like the definition of family. Like that's hmm. all these people that probably shouldn't be, you know, operating together are forced to do it for like the betterment of everybody else. And I think that he kind of deals with that in like very fun ways, like funny ways and just like exciting ways. Like the first time you see captain america and iron man on screen together and captain america is like mr stark and iron man says captain you're like yes right this is like i saw this movie opening night down in the city where we got to watch all of the phase one movies leading up all day started at noon and then at like 11 p.m midnight they showed the like the premiere of the avengers and like i was there at my best bud uh, Brian and we like we were like crying and like cheering and <laughs> the whole crowd was like it was a sold out show of just like had to be like six seven hundred people right. in the room and we were all just going crazy we were sitting in the front row you know because like we got our tickets late so we were all the way in the front uh. row like right against it but it was still like that good like it didn't matter it was just like it's like we were in there with them and yeah. the movie is just it's it's incredibly paced he translates all of these characters because the actors have like such good control over who their characters are and what they're doing. Like especially Robert Downey Jr. Like, well, he... I think at that point, exactly, they do. yeah. Not and so, from the, like, I don't know if you want to go back and start talking about each of the of Phase One building up to that, but yeah, definitely by the point that they get to the Avengers, they like own their characters. Yeah, and like That's I think he exciting. gives them these liberties to like, well. I thought it'd be great if Thor did this. Sure. Like, and he would ask Chris Hemsworth, like, does that make sense to you on where the character is? And I think that this experience in working with Joss Whedon really defined how these actors were portraying these characters and were like how they were looking at, uh, you know, where they were going to go and what really drives them. And I think this gave them like the, the oomph and like the courage to like really nail down what they want these characters to be. Right. And that's why phase two and phase three is just filled with like great performances from these characters, even if they're in lackluster movies. Yeah. Cause I definitely think that like the idea that a lot of these characters, you know, if in their separate storylines have not necessarily come up against someone else as strong or as skilled or you know kind of like at their level so now even though they're supposed to be working together i like that in the beginning they kind of see each other as a challenge and obviously it's kind of like that idea that they have to deal with their bs mm -hmm. and get through it and kind of, they're kind of sizing each other up yeah it's, there's definitely like male ego kind of stuff not yeah. not not so much like toxicity but, like, but it's like they're very like yeah. <laughs> right, and then there's definitely certain characters that immediately click and are like, "You're my exactly, you know, slice of cheese." Where you have like Bruce Banner and Tony Stark being like, "Oh my god, I'm a big fan of you." They would totally hit it yeah. off. And now you got like, right science the bros. Yeah, and, and then you have sort of your weird. At this point, you already have, um, you know, 
Captain America and Black Widow that are like sort of weird partner buds. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily friends, but they've definitely got their camaraderie. Oh, I think yeah, comrades is yeah. probably better. Like yeah. they're they're, they're, they're like, soldiers. Yeah. Like and they they've do, they've both they're done some together. stuff that right. they're not necessarily proud of. Right. And we get to learn more about that, especially in like uh, later later interactions with them. And you know, we get to learn more about Black Widow in. Um, the Winter Soldier, which right. really informs what she's going through in here. Yeah, and considering she's, got, she's the only one that hasn't had her own movie, yeah. she's probably most prominent in the Captain mm-hmm. America movies. Yeah, she's got red on her ledger. <laughs> and that's pretty much all we really know about that's her. That's sort of this. my beef. I know. I feel like she says it like five times. I know you told me she only says it twice. Well, uh, we sh- and we, we watched it. We watched it, it like again. She says it twice. It's twice, but in my memory... She's got red in her ledger, red in her ledger, mm-hmm. red in her ledger. Well, because it's... She's got to get it out. It's very much her defining thing, because, like... And this is something that we'll talk about uh, <laughs> on a future episode she about Age P- of Ultron. PTSD. <laughs> this is... This is... Uh, Joss Whedon has to do so much in the writing room to be able to tackle all of these characters and give everybody equal playing yeah, fields. Yeah, give and, them their due time. Right. And so when you're dealing with about six or seven main characters, including Nick Fury... Right. Uh, ...and Loki... Like, you need to it, – it, it's hard to balance that. And then in Age of Ultron, man, he's given, like, you know, an extra five or six characters on top of that, plus, like, certain events that he has to set up for Phase 3, and it's, like – and it yeah. blows up, and it's yeah. hard to keep control of it. And in Age of Ultron, I know. I don't it kind of spins out of control much. a little don't, bit. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get to that. But in Avengers, I think it is perfectly balanced. It's I very, think that he does it very well. Very well. By just giving everybody these, like, he does, I think that him making Hawkeye a bad guy is a saving grace. Because, first off, it's a wink to the comics. Hawkeye was originally an Iron Man villain when he first showed up. Oh, I see. I didn't know that because he was I did like not a, grow up reading these. He was an archery circus performer who was abducted by supervillains. And they train him to be an assassin. And he shows up and he blah, blah, blahs. And he eventually joins the Avengers pretty early on. Huh. Um, Interesting. Clint Barton. And then he dies. And then he dies. And then he comes back. How does he come back? Uh, alt, uh, they switch like someone, the realities. They uh, Someone they, else playing him? Or um, he comes back, like they bring him back from the dead? Comic book spoiler alerts. Uh, he doesn't die. Vision kills Hawkeye because Vision goes crazy. And then a couple years later, Scarlet Witch goes nuts and creates an alternate reality where uh, um, mut- like mutants are kind of in control. And they've taken over and they fight back against her. And then at the end, she says, you know, I was right. No more mutants. And she creates this other timeline that I believe that that's where Hawkeye comes back in. Uh, I believe like and it it creates this timeline where like all all these mutants have lost their powers. She is essentially Strider. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah. It's like this. It's this. uh, It's this odd. um, I might be getting my my summer. Uh, my summer like big uh, comic book events crossed here, but like yeah. eventually something happens where Hawkeye comes back. Interesting. Um, might sure, even be right. Skrull Invasion where there was like, oh, the original Hawkeye was a Skrull and then like the real Hawkeye got released. They come up with any reason that yeah. they can. Needless to say, in this group of strong, charismatic Avengers, Hawkeye is definitely the weakest link in my opinion. Right. But, but that's making him a bad guy. Yeah. Kind of puts him off to the side where all you need to know about his character is that 
Black he, Widow. She's connected. That she though. cares about him right. and wants to help him. And he needs to be redeemed. And then when yeah. he comes back, he's got one of the best lines in the movie. Right. Which is, uh, you know, pretty much even taken out of context. You know, he's got that line where he says, do you know what it feels like to have somebody open up your brain and go in to make, to play? To play. Yeah. Do you know what it, do you, do you know what it's like to be unmade? And then Black Widow has that line, you know I do. And eventually we find out, um, which I think is specifically in Age of Ultron, like her, her training, her training, yeah. and like what had to be done to her, getting Red Sparrowed over there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and so like that simplifies those two characters sure. who haven't had their own movies. Everybody else is pretty easy to kind of like bounce off of because like Cap's yeah. had his own movie, Iron Man's had two, Thor's had one, Hulk had his own movie, but it's a new guy playing him, playing him a little differently. Um, which Mark Ruffalo is also one of the best parts of this. I think that yeah. was. I think we can all still agree. It seems weird to think about it, but like in 2012 when they hired Mark Ruffalo. That was a big deal. It was like a Heath Ledger as the Joker kind of thing. Where yeah, everybody's people like, were what? Not sure That's not going to. That. And yeah. then it was like, oh, nobody else could do it but this yeah. guy. And I, I'm, like, I definitely was excited about that because I've always liked him in weird, smaller indie roles. 13 like, going on 30, yeah. All right, 13 going on 30, sure. But mm-hmm. also like in uh, Kenneth Loggins, You Can Count On Me. Totally. Him and Laura Linney are bro and sis. And you uh, you kinda, made me watch that movie yeah, because it broke my heart. It's really sad, but he is awesome. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like your, your fucked up family. You Six make Feet excuses. Under dude's in that too, isn't he? Uh, which one? The Peter main Krause? dude from, yeah. Yeah. He's in so. that, isn't he? He's the other dude. My memory of that is not very well. I know Matthew Broderick is in it. Mm, okay. Now I'm now I'm forgetting if yeah. Peter Cross is in it or I'm not. I'm pretty sure Peter Cross is the other the other the other couple. He's the husband and the other couple. I can't remember. I don't remember. Oh, no, no wait, you're mixing I'm up getting the things confused. That's yeah, a totally yeah, yeah, different yeah. movie. That's, I'm thinking uh, uh, you can count on me. No, it's not the is movie. Is not that you're uh, we of. don't live here anymore. Yeah, no. That's the movie that I'm thinking yeah, of. No. Okay. Yes. He's not. You can count on me is the one where Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney are brother and sister. Yes. Yes. Okay. There yeah. we go. Yeah. That's a very good movie. Heartbreaking. But Mark Ruffalo coming on in, immediately having insane chemistry with every single person on screen, especially Iron Man, especially Tony Stark and Thor, which we would later like Thor and him are fantastic in Thor Ragnarok. Oh man, I just rewatched Ragnarok and it's great. It's great. I really enjoyed it. I love Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. He's my fave. Uh, please go see Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People if you have not already. Absolutely. But I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok just for the kind of like silly wild ride, the mm-hmm. really good characters. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is so funny. It's well, good. And it's like uh, before watching Avengers, we rewatched the first Iron Man because we figured that'd be a good idea. The first yeah. MCU movie. Let's and check that out. It had been a while since I had watched that again. And, and Other. Another great movie. Yeah. And first Iron Man, like who the hell thought... John Favreau was going to be such a good director no, at that no, time. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, Swingers, you don't think that guy is mm-hmm. going to go on to direct. Iron big blockbusters. Man. I mean, he did uh, Zathora, what's his big really? blockbuster movie. Yeah. Like it was like Jumanji in space. Essentially, no, I, I remember Zathora. I have a soft spot for. I think it's a lot of fun. Well, uh, it's also based on a Chris Van Allsburg book, yes. which is also Jumanji, mm-hmm. but still. And it's got PETA in it, right? Yeah, PETA's in it. Mm-hmm. Well, PETA was like. Ev- from Hunger Games. He, he was, was child star. He everywhere. was like Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Back yeah, then. he was everywhere all over the place. And now that he's starting to get older, he's like, oh, now I can start doing like high school movies. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I still haven't seen that show where he's like the janitor, but then they bring him to the future. Mm-hmm. Future man. I th- it, I've heard good things about it. It looks but cool. 
Yeah, he was actually up for uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming as well. He's really? very close to getting it. Oh, he looks so much older than Tom Holland, though. I feel like that wouldn't have been believable. There's something like he gave, he like he uh, m- like gave himself acne. He is and a stuff. shorter man, mm-hmm. and he like like showed he up as Peter young. Parker wearing glasses, ruffled hair, and like he got really fit, but he like gave himself acne or something, either with makeup or just like Weird. eating bad for a week. I don't know. Rubbing Crisco on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he almost got it. And I mean, that was like, that's the big conversation before Spider-Man Homecoming was like, oh, is Peter going to get it? Kind of like before Andrew Garfield got Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man, it was like, is Donald Glover going to get it? Like these were like ah. these big internet trends that people thought were going to happen. But when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, he had already been in the Hunger Games, right? Because I feel like that would have been a good move to have him be from... The- no, Hunger I don't Games. think the Hunger Games had started just yet. Wait, what do you, no, no, no. When Amazing Spider-Man came out, Donald Glover was up. When no, Spider-Man I mean, Homecoming, what, I mean newest. Like oh, Tom he had already, Holland, he had he had already done Hunger Games. Yeah, Josh, Peter had already done. Josh Hutcherson is that his Josh Hutcherson? Yeah, Hutchinson. Hutchinson, I believe so. Hutcherson. I don't know. He's a good actor. I like Hutch. him. Yeah, Joshy. Joshy Hutch. Okay. <laughs> Joshy Hutch. Josh. Teen Hutch. heartthrob. Peter loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but Iron Man still lives up to this day 10 years later. Phenomenal movie. John, really good. And John Favreau, man, like, they didn't think this movie was really going to do anything. They made Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk kind of at the same time with this idea of launching this kind of expanded universe. But they honestly, I don't think they thought it was going to work. That's right. why they picked a C-list character. Like, Iron Man, no, 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 nobody knew who Iron Man was back really? in 2008. No. Huh. Uh, your casual comic book uh, person might, or like your just casual person who's aware of comic books and like uh, television shows might know who Iron Man is. But the okay. big, like he's not Batman, he's not Spider-Man, he's not the X-Men. Sure. So I was this was more like, into X-Men. Yeah. This was like a huge, like, I mean, why? It's It's crazy to think about it in a world where like an Iron Man movie wouldn't be just like a huge blockbuster guaranteed. But huh. it wasn't, and, and then it was, and it blew everybody away. And this was in the same year The Dark Knight came out and completely revolutionized, like, what right. comic book movies could be. Before this, it was, you know, the Batman and Superman movies from the 80s and 90s, and then more recently, the X-Men and Spider-Man movies in the early aughts. Yeah, because I have distinct memories of going to see the Batman movies in the theater. Mm-hmm. And Iron Man was, like, a sneak surprise that I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as good as it was. Mm-hmm. When I went to see that. It's just uh, Robert Downey Jr. just nails it. He's awesome. He's insanely charming in the role. Like, And I know that that kind of sounds like, well, yeah, no shit now that it's been right. around for so long. But it's like. Well, it was a big deal, too, because he had kind of like, you know, blew all his chances for several years. Mm-hmm. Just done too many drugs. Got himself. Burned um, a lot of bridges. Burned a lot of bridges. Which is really funny because in Iron Man 2, they bring in, um, what's his name? Uh, Mickey Rourke. Who Love Mickey Rourke. was also the same thing. Wrestler. He like same. burned too many bridges yeah. and like went away, got his face all bashed up. Right. And then came back and then they put him in Iron Man 2 and that was supposed to be his big like comeback. But then he just kind of started acting like a dick again. Well, I mean, the wrestler was his big comeback. Right. But then but this were, was you like, were hoping he was yeah. going to keep going So it's after like, that. they didn't just give this to Robert Downey Jr. on a fluke. Like right before this, he did uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Which Shane Black. And he did Zodiac with David Fincher. And he and when he was the main character and when he was a side character right. and he was like kiss, killing kiss, it in bang, all of them because he had just yeah. come back he was out of rehab he was working out of shit right. and so they were like all right here's a little blockbuster we don't know how it will do let's see how you do reinvigorated his career 
Mickey Rourke does Sin City and The Wrestler. Right. You know, and Sin City for being a big movie now, uh, it was an independently funded movie. Uh, Troublemaker Studios, Robert Rodriguez, they made it. Um, and he blew up from those two movies. So they were like, okay, here's Iron Man 2 Yeah. Uh, to jumpstart your career. And it did not. And I don't – you could probably blame Iron Man 2's like kind of uh, – it's th- it's always thought of like as kind of like the, the wimpy like uh, – He's adopted kind of <laughs> thing. Like nobody really likes to talk about it. Um, you know, like there's there's a lot going on with that I movie. I could definitely give that a rewatch. I'd, lo- I'd love to rewatch that All with right. you because it really. Let's rewatch that. That's the one that I've probably watched. I watched it a lot when it first came out. See, I've watched that one the least. I didn't want to admit that it was bad. I didn't necessarily think it was bad. I just didn't think it was as good as the first one. It's definitely not as good as the first one. Yeah, by far. But it's. It's got Sam Rockwell in it. Exactly. Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah. Killing it. Don Cheadle. You know, it's funny when you see like beautiful, beautiful Terrence Howard mm-hmm. with his like gorgeous eyes in the mm-hmm. first one and his soft spoken voice. Jesus. I completely forgot about him <laughs> because Could I'm be now yeah. I'm now used to Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. It's one of those weird ones. And I love and it's Don like, Cheadle. And it, and it really is... I think they got their uh, their contract game down after Incredible Hulk because yeah. with the first two they were just like we don't know if this is going to work so they right. just got people didn't sign them on like with contracts and Terrence Howard as it's it's been it's an old story now Iron Man two came up Terrence Howard was like I want more money and they were like well we can't give you that much more like this is just getting started we need to right. we just signed on Scarlett Johansson. You know, Sam Rockwell, Mickey Rourke. We've got all of these new people coming in. Samuel L. Jackson is going to be a bigger figurehead in this. We're also making Thor and Captain America at the same time while trying to find out. It's like... It's like one of those things he where... He didn't want to work with them. He probably did deserve to get a raise from whatever his salary was I think they... No, time, they were going to give him a raise. But, he wanted to make like as much as Robert Downey Jr. Right. As the story goes. And he was like... He would not negotiate. Yeah. And they were it's just, just sort like, of like whether your attitude is like whether you're going to tough it out and hope that this blows up and becomes as huge as it did. Right. But you didn't know. Well, and that's... Nobody knew. I think like that's uh, the main the main thing that everybody says is that Terrence Howard, you know, it, it, it can be exaggerated or it might not even be true. Tush. No, it's that he was like, he said, well, you can't replace me. Ah, and they were like, dude, kind of, yes, we yeah. can. Ugh. And that's why Don Cheadle has a great line in the beginning of Iron Man 2 where uh, he shows up at Tony Stark's uh, hearing where they're talking about Iron Man. Don Cheadle shows up and it's his first appearance as uh, Rhodes. And he goes like – and I think – and Tony Stark has a line like, Rhodes, is that you? Or something like that. And he's like, it's me. Deal with it. And like sits down. Oh, that's true. It's like a little wink where they're like, we get this, but you know, that guy's being a dip. Right. And that's like the same with Edward Norton – and by the time you he see... He was kind of being a dick, so yeah. they were like... Oh, well, I can imagine that. I mean, I he's think got also, a reputation for that. I think he was just generally uninterested. It doesn't seem like it's his bag, to no, be No, you watch honest. him in The Incredible Hulk, and he just kind of seems like he's like... Dialing it in. Just signing the check, you yeah. know? Like, like, not that it's bad, because even Edward Norton on his, like, phoning it in days... No, he's great. Phenomenal he's actor. phenomenal, but we haven't seen him in a while, so... You know... I don't know. I think I don't know. he's got issues. But I think he's got, I mean, he lives he's... in the area around us right now. 
Apparently. I think he's over in like Cold Spring Trying or to make three-point turns on Main Street and Beacon. <laughs> Eesh. <laughs> but, uh, Can I yeah. get a suit? I don't yeah. think so. No. I can't get a suit, no. Yeah. Um... But yeah, and so like Iron Man 2, like I like this. We're kind of like going through leading up to the Avengers. Yeah, I mean, whatever, this is a good however idea. you this want is, to do it. This I, don't, pretty, I wasn't really sure what we were I think we just do. kind of naturally <laughs> fallen into that. Yeah, we have no plan. Like this isn't planned. I didn't know what we were doing today. We're getting drunk and talking about Marvel movies. Hey! That's so uh, also in Iron Man 2, <coughs> we get um, Scar Jo shows up. In Iron Man 2. In Iron Man 2. And she's young. And it's her first she's young. time. I mean, it's so only... she is like long hair, curly... Like, it's only like Iron Man 2 was 2010, mm-hmm. Avengers is 2012, so it's only two years before, and I think it's just like, the, you know, so, her, her hair's curly, I think she's supposed to be seen as more of like a a dainty fe- thing. She's supposed to be a femme fatale. So yeah, before she's it's be revealed a, that she's like a kick-ass motherfucker. Right, so end of first Iron Man, we get that little snippet at the end credits of Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. So, Based yeah. off of the Ultimates... Right, so the we, ultimate universe version of Nick Fury, who was uh, designed after Samuel L. Jackson. And then right. they asked him, like, hey, man, we designed you. Right. We designed this character after you. Like, how would you like to come on in and do it? And he just nails so it. So S.H.I.E.L.D. gets introduced uh-huh. from the very beginning. It's kind of this elusive thing. We don't know what's going to happen. And then in the second Iron Man, we meet ScarJo as Black Widow. Natasha Romanoff. She's kick butt. Her accent is a little yeah. come here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, by by later movies, she She's just ditches it. Yeah. She I, just gives it up. I just figure it's like... Mm. Yeah. In the beginning, you're kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. I think she <laughs> like she's got a line in Avengers 2 that I think uh, retcons that for me enough where she says like, I don't like empires fall, like regimes fall all the time. Every day. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm Russian. I tend, I tend not to dwell on that. I'm Russian. Right. Or I used to be. So right. it's like... Oh, okay, I get it. So, like, she can slip it on and slip it off whenever she wants. She used to be Russian. She has an accent. She doesn't anymore. Right. But she's a spy, so she can she can speak Russian. She can probably speak so many languages. Exactly. She's Natasha Rovanoff. Right. Right. Uh, With but red she shows in her up. Ledger. She kicked. She's got. <laughs> she's got red in her ledger. Which I don't know exactly. Like in the context of like a checking account or checkbook. Red in the ledger? Um, Where does the red come from? Is it the, ink? The blood. Well, I know in her case it's blood. Yeah. Well, she's, that's what she, yeah. In the traditional sense of red in the ledger, does that mean like you're fucked in, in your finances or something like that? Like, I think it that, means like your checks aren't bouncing. I mean, or I, I think in the traditional sense, red in the ledger is uh, you've got uh, some money that you fucking owe. You, you've been embezzling. Yeah, there's some bad stuff in there that uh, you need to take care of, and she's putting that towards like a spies thing, where like I'm trying to be a better person. I don't want to be a spy anymore, and I've got red in my ledger. I've got, even though right now I want to be a good person. Right. There's still stuff that I've done that I need to atone for. And, She's got demons in her closet. And Clint for sure. Barton Hawkeye is the Clint. guy that got her out. Right. And so he owes it to him to at least attempt to try and save it. Right. She's, she makes a reference that he was sent to kill her mm-hmm. and he chose not to. Mm-hmm. He so made she, a different call. So she wants to try and help him. Mm-hmm. Right. And then... Um, so... And then uh, we get everybody's uh, favorite little favorite marvel movie i think everybody likes this movie the most out of all marvel <laughs> movies uh thor the it's first not thor, bad though it's not bad and i love kenneth branagh so i want to like love it kenneth more Branagh. than i do 
Uh, the Warriors 3, Sif. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins is as Odin. It's a fish out of water story. Right. Chris Hemsworth is at the same time completely like you, you want to okay. fuck him. And he's also like really funny. Like All right. That's, so throwing his glass on the ground. Thank you. I'll have another. Another. You know, yeah. I, he's great. He's great. I mean, not going to lie to you. Natalie Portman is really wooden. As I feel she can be at times. Always? In every Always. movie? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. she was slightly, like, more understandably wooden in Annihilation. Right. I felt like the idea of her being in the military made it a little easier for her to be more totally. wooden. There's there's always excuses to be made for Natalie Portman because right. she's worth it. But Natalie Portman post-professional? Not my favorite. But no, no. she's great I mean, Black Swan. Black Swan. She's Again, but the Black wooden Swan. kind of thing. And, you know. Yeah. I'm making fun of her. She's. I, I think she's, she's a very good actress. She's all right. She's okay. I think it just depends on the director that she works yeah, with. Yeah, she's not my favorite. She's fantastic in Black Swan. Mm-hmm. But in Kenneth Branagh's Thor, she's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> she's a little, yeah, she's just kind of like, she's an, uh, she's an exposition heavy character that's just right. kind of coming around and being yeah. like, this is the way that this works. And like, I don't, is she British in them? No, she's not no. British. She's American. She's I just feel like that's the way she always talks. And I can't tell. And then what's the name of the actress that's like her intern that was on Two Broke Girls? Uh, I can't remember her name now. Oh, uh, Meow Meow? The girl that... Meow Meow. The girl that calls Mjolnir Meow Meow? Uh, uh, Kat gonna, Dennings. There we go. Mm-hmm. She's in that... Uh, she's in that movie that... Uh, that was a book that I really liked that was called uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, with the, um, Teen Heartthrob Michael Sarah. Yeah, the book yeah. is way better than the movie, but when you do, usually the case, that's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, and uh, still in Skarsgård is in it. I think he does a great job. He does a great job. Yeah. The scene where him and Thor are like drinking at the bar. It's great. It's great. I think the movie is loaded with fun stuff. I think it's a fun movie. I don't think it's, you know, one of the best of the Marvel franchise, but I think it really gets some heavy shade thrown at it. Like, uh, well, the movie, it's, like, it's, by all definitions, the movie is uh, quite tight. It's... Like, they're never really lingering yeah. on anything that they don't need. It's and not quite an origin story, but it kind of is. It kind of is, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the structure of it where it opens with them, like, running into Thor in the desert. And, like, That's who's this awesome. guy? And then it goes back, like, yeah. it's a classic 36 hours earlier. Right. And it shows us all the magical stuff, and then we're trapped here. So we've seen what this guy can do with his powers. Now he doesn't have them. And I know that this is, like, I'm just explaining the movie. Like, yeah, people realize that. But I don't... I don't understand how somebody can like some of these other Marvel movies that they say they like, you know, uh, like the Avengers. Well, I think people like Thor love Ragnarok. the character of Thor. Right. But then they still have beef with the actual movie. Right. And it's a total argument that Thor Ragnarok is like a perfect, like, distillation of what was so great about the original Thor. And it's like the humor and the sure. comedy. And yeah. now, like, let's make that the whole thing. Well, Thor, Thor The Dark World was way more... Attempting to be serious. Yeah, Thor The Dark World, in my opinion, is probably the worst one of all the Marvel movies. It doesn't mean I don't like it. I guess I really liked it because I love Loki. And so I yeah. liked seeing that of relationship of him and his bro. Mm-hmm. You know, But we'll talk about Loki in The Avengers. Of course. that's part of the reason that Oh, I mean, Loki is so in Thor great. too. And he's yeah. got like a great, like Tom Hiddleston just signed on to this role. Originally, Tom Hiddleston tried out for Thor. I know. I, I can't imagine it. That's mm-hmm. kind of nuts. I love him as Loki. And originally, Anthony Hopkins tried out for the part of Loki. Really? Nope. No. Mm-hmm. Nope. Stellan Skarsgård <laughs> nope. originally tried out for the role of Jane. Ugh. 
Natalie Portman's role that she eventually Hagrid. banged that. He had no, no, no chance beating yeah. her on that. No. <laughs> Although they do, Chris Hemsworth and Stellan Skarsgård do have amazing chemistry. They so. do. They have very good chemistry. Hmm. Uh, I love Thor. I think Thor is really great. Uh, I think it's like a very good movie. I don't want to say it's really great, but like I. I feel like my opinion of the movie has to change to be able to defend it. Right. And it's like the fact that I get to talk about it more so than a lot of other Marvel movies because I'm discussing why I like it with people who don't like it. I start to find more reasons why I really do like it and it makes me appreciate it more. Well, it's also, you know, I would never have thought, like, based on the comic book characters alone, Thor essentially would not have been my favorite of those characters. He's another big C-list character. Right. Not a lot of people knew him. So of the characters that make up the Avengers, he's sort of low on the totem pole. Very I mean, much. Uh, to be fair, growing up, my knowledge of Thor was watching Adventures in Babysitting. And the youngest kid good, in yes. Adventures in Babysitting wanted to be Thor. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, um, you know, her perception of uh, our lovely... You know, uh, now I'm going to not remember his name, and he's so scary and awesome. And Jason Isaacs? No, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, yes. A very, very very young Vincent D'Onofrio. I like that. Jason Isaacs was the one I immediately thought of when you were like. (laughs) Just because we've been watching Star Trek. (laughs) Discovery? Yeah, he's great in that movie. Scary in that. He's He's definitely scary in that. He's a a mean. He's a a little wild card. He's He's a little bully. Yeah. Mr. Malfoy. Um, <laughs> Lucius. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, I love Thor. I like my, I like how they take like the 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 magic of Thor's character and everything, and they kind of throw this scientific spin on it. He's got one of the other like top ten lines in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far, where he says, "Where I come from." Like, what I do, you people call magic. But where I come from, we call it science. This is how it works. And right. It's like like uh, the gods don't live on, like, other dimensions or other planes of existence. They're fucking aliens. Yeah. And they're out there. And they know how to travel back and forth and stuff like that. And we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, when we, especially when we get to Avengers, where we are introduced to... Um, I, I think Thor is the first movie where we're introduced to... The idea of, the of mythical objects. Okay. All right. But definitely the next movie that we're going to talk about right now is the first movie where we are introduced to an actual, the first Infinity Stone. Right. Which, wait, are they? They're not called Infinity Stones at that point. No. And they're Infinity Stones are what they're called in the movies, right? I feel like they're called that later in Guardians of the Galaxy. No, right. Well, but I don't think prior to that. They're Infinity Gems in the comics. Yeah, I don't, And I always get it confused. They're called Infinity Stones in the movie, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they've even at that point called them that. They yeah, just, no. They just call it the Tesseract. Yeah, that. I think the first time that we get Infinity Stone mentioned is probably... Either Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. I think it's Guardians of the Galaxy where the the collector gives us a nice little like, when the world was created, I am in the last Jedi. (laughs) He was a pleasant surprise. I hope it's revealed that Benicio Del Toro's character in the last Jedi is the collector. That'd be pretty awesome. I mean, he's really seedy. He's like kind of sexy in a dirty way. Jesus. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. So okay, Sicario too is coming out. Right. I'm excited. Okay, Benicio del Toro and Terrence Howard got right. it. Um, so yeah, Captain America: The First Avenger, uh, one of my favorites to watch. By I'll far, I'll throw that on. Well, I gotta say, I I love both 
Captain America, First Avenger, and Winter Soldier. I feel like totally. they are some of the tightest of, and Civil of War. The, of and and That's after the rewatching Civil of them War, I was surprised by how much Civil War. I had seen Civil War once in the theater and, and rewatching it recently, I was really like impressed with how fantastic it was. Mm-hmm. Really tight. Russo Brothers. Do they also do Civil War? No. They just did Civil War? Yeah. Yeah, Russo Brothers did Civil War. Okay. They, did they did Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yep. Okay. And now they're doing Infinity War yeah. and the really, Avengers Four. Really good. But like uh uh the Captain America the first Avenger was directed by Joe Johnson, who right. Of Rocketeer fame. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. See, I have a soft spot for the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. I really loved that movie mm-hmm. as a kid. Love the Rocketeer. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, what's his name? Is in that uh, Timothy Dalton? Timothy is Dalton the is bad the bad guy, guy and he's mm-hmm. fantastic. And he's the only actor whose name I actually remember, which is unfortunate for the actual Rocketeer. Timothy Dalton? Yeah, I don't remember the actor who played the Rocketeer, but I remember Timothy Dalton. Uh, the actor that played the Rocketeer or his love interest is, uh, I believe, his name is Billy Campbell. Ooh, you are good. Uh, he could because right. he yeah, is Campbell. the heir of the Campbell soup. Is he family. really? Yes. Are you making this shit up? No, I'm not making this shit up. All right, okay. Uh, Billy okay. Campbell, I believe, is his name. I know. Uh, Trivia facts mm-hmm. here um, on Story Screen presents. And also, too, in uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, the music is done by Alan Silvestri, who goes on to create. The event he scored the Avengers and oh. he created. Okay. The very right. I, and uh, okay. I, I know I ha- we have a couple listeners out there across the the nation who are friends with us who I have gotten into <laughs> deep conversation about some Marvel movies. Um, In what sense? Uh, about the fact that uh, one of the things that's bad about the Marvel movies as comic book films is that they none of them have any uh, memorable. Uh, like theme songs, like no, no really? memorable but the music. The Avengers does, and I'm like, excuse me, that Avengers one when the Avengers Infinity War teaser and trailer one, and yeah, trailer they two, drop it when they, they hint drop at that, it. You're like, mm, mm, mm. you get Avengers goosebumps. Good. Yeah. Avengers, yes, yeah. But all right, oh, so definitely. Captain America titled the First Avenger, um, mainly because is of, our origin uh, story Steve Rogers. Yep, and also yeah. too because they wanted to distri- distribute it, you know, in the UK and in China. And Captain America was not going to work out too well, ah. just as that, uh, which is kind of like they also call it's like they call um, the Avengers. They they call it Marvel's Avengers Assemble in the UK because they don't want you to get it confused with the. Uh, oh. British TV show The Avengers of the 1998 Diana Rigg. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that with my yeah. dad. So there's reasons for that in there, but it also makes sense. He's the sure. first Avenger. It's beginning it. We even in the movie we have like a small little Easter egg back there, which is uh, we won't get too much into Easter eggs because they're everywhere and they're so much fun. Uh, but you have the original Human Torch is like on display at like the Stark Expo. That they go to earlier on. And the Human Torch was one of the original Avengers that fought with Captain America back in World War II. As in Fantastic Four? Not Fantastic Four. Four no. no, he was the second which kind of Human Chris. Torch. Which was also Chris. Which was also Chris Evans. Very fun. Amazing. Very fun. It's a fun <laughs> Easter egg. Um, yeah, we get like amazing digital work of uh, uh, your boy Chris Evans oh, as like tiny a body? tiny little body. And yeah. it still works. It's, know, it's, it's aged a it's tiny bit. I feel like in in hindsight, Stanley Tucci is more ridiculous than Chris Evans' scrawny CGI body. <laughs> What's ridiculous about Stanley Tucci in the movie? It's his accent. His accent is very ridiculous. <laughs> you're, you're right. Yep. What else? 
uh, I don't know, his like fake hair, because I think he's actually bald in real life. Yeah, he's got buzz, the little fake hair on buzz, there. Buzzed head, Stanley Tucci is way hotter. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, so Stanley Tucci. Stanley too, Tucci. Okay. Yep, got it. Keeping these notes uh, in Yeah, just, uh, yeah, mostly his accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got <laughs> he's got the, the good it's inside. Almost, yeah. Uh, Do I always remember? Yeah, like, sort he's got of a really like odd, fake like, Russian. Kind of, what is he supposed to, where is he supposed to be from? A, he's, I believe he's supposed to be German. Okay. Um, uh, German, but not Nazi. But not Nazi, which not all Germans are. But uh, World War Two. who knows, kind right. of thing. Anything um, goes. I think he was a, I think he was a, you know, a German uh, scientist who uh, was working with the Nazis, uh, defected, escaped. And now Hydra's trying to like uh, find him again and like right. stop him from like kind of like a like a defector kind of thing and stop him from like taking all of the ideas that he had been giving them that he'd been coming up with and utilizing it on American soil for American troops and soldiers, creating right. the super soldier serum. He is the man that invented the super soldier serum, which is now, what gives Captain America his powers, which eventually would go on to be tried to be recreated by Bruce Hulk. Banner, right. which would. Uh, so turn him into the Hulk eventually. All right, so refresh my memory. He invented the serum, but Tony Stark's dad was also working with him. Mm-hmm. Howard. Stark. Tony Stark. You get like you can see that when he now was Howard Stark working on the serum, or was Howard Stark working on like the shield? He's technology? working on the serum. Um, okay. uh, and then where the heck did Stanley they Stanley get Tucci's the vibranium from? Stanley Tucci's character <laughs> was uh, working on an idea for a super soldier program. With the Nazis, he right. defected, went over to um, America, started working on it with Shield, which right. uh, uh, Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark, was a part of. Right, helped found. So it they were with developing Peggy. it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And um, they, it's not working. They can't figure out exactly how to do it. They come up with an idea where it's like, oh, this is a serum that might actually work, but. Who do we try it out on? Yeah, and, who's the guinea pig? And the whole thing is that Stanley Tucci comes across this guy whose will is uh, even stronger than anything else about him. That- and definitely, like, as somebody who was, you know, a kid with, like, a shitload of allergies and asthma and a little mm-hmm. sick, Captain America yeah. is sort of, like, the origin story you wish would come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's also got... Uh, <laughs> Everyone wants to grow up to be buff and super healthy and strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Chris Pratt. Yep. Like Chris Pratt. And uh, he's got uh, Steve Rogers. Not Chris Pratt. No, 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 like Chris Pratt. Oh, they wanna, you mean they, they want to get nice and big and strong like Chris and healthy Pratt, like Chris Pratt. Yeah. But not Chris Evans. Not Chris Evans. I feel like Chris Evans can give Chris Pratt a run for his money. I, as a normal human being... If I wanted to, I, think Chris I could Pratt aspire eats a to. a lot of Fritos. I in could, his real I could, I could aspire to Chris Pratt level of like physique. You aspire Never, to it. Um, I could if I wanted to, and it'd be a realistic dream. Chris Evans, on the other hand, no. I'll never get anywhere. That's like Chris Hemsworth. That's not gonna happen to me. That's not it. <laughs> That's never gonna. It doesn't matter how much chicken and fish I what eat. What about Chris Evans and Gifted? Maybe. Maybe. Well, because Chris Evans and Gifted is that. kind of like Chris Pratt and Guardians of the Galaxy. No offense, Chris's. Just yeah. like, you know, like well, Chris there's Pratt, an obvious totem pole going on Chris here. Chris Pratt and Parks and Recreation is pretty much where I'm at now. Me as well. Yeah, okay. totally. So we're enjoying cheers, life. Let's cheers we're, yeah, to that. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> um, but okay, so Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, they they get him. Steve Rogers has a, one another like top ten lines of the entire MCU towards the beginning, where um, 
Stanley Tucci says, like, why are you trying to join the military so much so that you can go off and kill Nazis? And uh, Steve Rogers says, I don't want to kill anybody, sir. I just don't like bullies. Fair. And that's everything. And yeah. even later on, he's got a great one with Red Skull. Tells him just like, who do you think you are? You think you're just, you like you think like you're like the end all be all that you're going to be able to save the day and blah blah blah. And he says like, I'm no I'm nobody. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Totally. It's just like really good lines. Well, it comes back to that like fight in the alley when he's still scrawny. That comes up time and time again. Yep. He's getting beaten up and he's kind of like, I could do this all day. Mm-hmm. And right. that comes back yeah. in a massively awesome way in Civil right. War. Totally. Uh, like just. Mm. And also, speaking of Civil War, in this movie, we get introduced to our... Our buddy. Our little our duck. Pal. Our little duck, our little pal. Even when we got nothing, we got Bucky. I love Bucky Barnes. He's great. Uh, Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan, mm-hmm. who I love, who I feel like besides being in Captain America, has been a fringe character on Gossip Girl. Yes. Has not been in a whole hell of a lot. Has not been. Well, when he signed on to Captain America, the first Avenger, he signed on for nine movies. Really? Yes. Was that when Chris Evans was also signing his Mm -hmm. death wish Well, this was when Iron Man Man 2 started and Thor and Captain America were in development. They were like, okay, we bumped into all of these problems with Edward Norton and Terrence Howard, so let's seal this shit down. I remember there being a new, uh, like a New York Times article about Chris Evans and how they had pretty much locked him down for the next 10 years. Yep. And we're still in that. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be interested to see what happens after Infinity War. I think Whether they go their separate ways well, he, or not. No, he's got one more movie after Infinity War. They're going to make he's another got, He's got Avengers 4, which he's in. Oh, Avengers And that 4. is his last contracted movie. But they're movie. not necessarily making another Captain America. No. But I mean, they probably will, and it'll either be Bucky or Sam Wilson. Like, We've talked about this yeah. before, and, and we can talk about it again. And like, yeah. like, look at me, girl. I it's love be Bucky. Look I love Bucky. Sebastian Stan, yeah. and that's fine. But it's great. That's what in the comic books. For those that don't know, Bucky Barnes does become Captain America after the events of the comic book iteration of Civil War. After Captain America is assassinated uh, on the steps of a courthouse uh, by Agent Thirteen. Uh, who is played by uh, Everwood's very own, um, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> her character name on Everwood is Amy Brown. I know Amy Brown. Um, <coughs> it's uh, Emily Van Camp. Got it? Thank you. Um, assassinated by him, he dies. Captain America dies, and so Bucky takes over as Captain America. Uh, eventually we find out that the bullet was actually a time bullet and <coughs> shot Captain America into like another time... It's the comic books are super fucking weird. That's why they're not for everybody. Uh, and eventually, at some point, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, he also takes over uh, as Captain America at one point. So both of these characters that are predominantly big figureheads in the MCU around Captain America, they have been Captain America at some point in the comics. But they're doing Bucky. That's why they're giving him like the big reveal. I do reveal. love Sam Wilson, yeah. but part of the the things that I love about Sam Wilson is. The interaction between him and Chris Evans. Totally. So I feel like him standalone might be a little rough. We'll I see. I, I mean, I, mean I think that Anthony Mackie <coughs> has, like, he really has the the ability to, like, hold the movie down on his own with that character. Anthony Mackie does a great job. It all just depends on if Marvel and Disney also agree and, you know... 
Uh, his skin color does come into play in yeah, that. Yeah, but we're in a new world. Exactly. We're in a post-Black Panther world. Mm-hmm. So Where maybe. it's like Black Panther is making, um, how much money is there? Woo! How much money is out there? How much money is that? Oh, all they've the got money. all of it. All like, the money all in the world. That. Put that right over here. <laughs> um, but yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, we get introduced to Bucky. We get introduced to Peggy Carter, who eventually goes on to have her own show, which is which hot I still fire. have it's not awesome. seen. It's very very cool. Oh, I love Haley Atwell. She does a great job as Peggy. She's fantastic. Yeah, like she's, she's really she's good. Great. They do a very good job of like creating their romance in this movie without it ever going to somewhere where it would be considered odd that he is. That he may eventually fall in love with her uh, granddaughter. Right. You know, like there's not never any, like they're in love and they share one kiss at the end. And it's not even like a hot kiss. It's just like a... No. Well, it's the 40s. It's the 40s. and and, Yeah. It's a different time. mm -hmm. And it's like a... You didn't just kiss any girl in front of Tommy Lee Jones while speeding down a runway in a car. Right. And it's it's also, uh, you know, the idea of the like, I'll wait for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that whole like end sequence of of Captain America flying off and knowing that he's probably not going to see her, mm-hmm. but being like, yeah, save a dance for me. Yeah, same <laughs> and uh, so we get Red Skull in there too. He's trying to get the Tesseract, which we were talking about, right? Which we have now found out is the Space Stone. Yeah, you're gonna have to explain that more later. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it more. <laughs> we'll talk about it more, especially all in the Avengers. stones. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a good point for a break. Anything else on Captain America the First Avenger you wanted to say? Uh, and then after the break, we can break into the Avengers and talk about that movie. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Um, oh, the only thing I'll say about the Tesseract is that um, coming up soon, when we do our, our book club Wrinkle in Time episode for uh, Story Screen Presents, the Tesseract is also... In a wrinkle in time. Oh, really? In a similar yet slightly different iteration. And so that book was written in the 60s. Is it like it's just called the Tesseract? Uh, the Tesseract is the idea of a principle of wrinkling time, of traveling yes, through time. absolutely. And that's so, why it was kind of like a wink that they uh, <laughs> that they called it uh, the Tesseract yeah. in uh, Captain America. And you didn't realize that it was like, yeah. oh, this might be a, 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 an infinity stone right. of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll take a break real quick uh, now that we've kind of gone over all of like the pre-Avengers phase one movies. And uh, when we come back, we'll start talking that Joss Whedon Avengers. So we'll see you in just a sec. Hello. Welcome to another episode of It's Fits, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 2018 Ryan Coogler film, Black Panther. Black Panther. I haven't seen it yet. It's creating kind of, uh, kind of a buzz, and I think it's just a superhero movie, I believe. Not really familiar with Black Panther, but people are making it into... A race thing which makes sense even though I haven't seen it but I like somebody asked me about it and they're like what's so big deal about Black Panther and I was like I'm pretty sure it's a superhero movie and I'm pretty sure that it has something to do with race 
because it's a black superhero and there's not many black superheroes in the um, superhero light, like the superhero world, you know. And anyway, soundtrack I could talk about, but I'm not going to. I talk too much about the movie, so I can't talk about the soundtrack anymore. This has been another episode of It's Fits. For more on the Black Panther from the Story Screen family, check out episode 89 of our podcast. All right, and welcome back. Uh, So we've spent uh, most of the episode talking about all the Phase 1 movies uh, moving on up towards up. the big guy, right. the Avengers 2012, getting on released out there. Uh, when this movie was coming out, it was like a huge deal. It you was. know, like it was like this is the first time anything like this has ever been done where characters have been established across all of these different movies with the explicit intent on bringing them together and culminating in like, oh, we're making the Avengers. I remember going to see it and how many people were actually dressed up. Yeah, man. Yeah, they were like wearing makeup as Hulk or wearing Thor's helmet or mm-hmm. they were super pumped and it was an exciting experience. I mean, yeah, when we go to go see Infinity War, I'm bringing my Thor hammer. Like that's I'm, happening. I'm pumped. I'm pumped, man. <laughs> uh, the movie looks really, really good. It looks fantastic. That's one of the reasons that we're doing this miniseries mm. is that like this is very much like a you know, the beginning of the end kind of thing that's uh, been been promised for a while. Like, this is kind of what it's been building towards. At the end of the first Avengers movie, I mean, we'll get there, but at the very end of the movie, we're given our first glimpse at Thanos. Right. And uh, now he is... Was uh, he always voiced by the same guy? Well, at the end of this movie, uh, throughout this whole movie... He has no speaking lines. Right. He's not even revealed that that is the character that we're talking to throughout. Like, the movie starts out... You would just see a glimpse of him. No, we don't even see anything of him one. at the very beginning. Oh, At the you're very right. end, yeah. Like, we see Alexis Denisoff's uh, uh, character. Wesley. Yeah, he's Wesley from uh, the Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Angel. Um, it was one of the greatest characters in that entire show, without a doubt. Probably my second third favorite one in a thing of like 300 characters so he's very top up there uh he plays the guy who is the um you know he's kind of like the uh the the voice of thanos to loki communicating with him yeah i think he's just called the other he's called the other right yeah and uh he's talking to somebody at the beginning of the movie saying like um uh uh the Tesseract is on Earth. We gonna go get that. Oh, you mean in the beginning he's actually talking to Thanos. And he's talking to Thanos, but we don't know who he's talking to. And then later we see him talking to Loki. And we see him talking to Loki and he says like, him. He says like, you don't want to make him mad. Right. We don't know who him is. And it's revealed at the end that it's Thanos. He's pulling these strings with Loki. That's going to make for like a really good interaction in Infinity War. Sure. When Loki and him finally meet up after this, like Loki fails him abysmally in this movie and this is the first time that they're going to meet we'll talk about that more uh probably in the phase two one one because dark world definitely has like some fun things in there with loki for that um but the avengers uh is my favorite marvel movie really it's my favorite one uh 
like I've always said that. Uh, I don't know if it's mine, but that's okay. Yeah, no, no, it's absolutely <laughs> fine. It's different strokes, baby. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's always going to be uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Avengers. Like I don't really think anything's going to knock those out Avengers. at all. And when I say Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean both of them. I, I combine them into one movie. Into one movie. If I had to pick, I'd probably go with Guardians of the Galaxy just because it's fun getting introduced to these characters and it's seeing great. them getting introduced to each other. Definitely. Uh, but I do think that they are, you know, where the first Guardians faults, the second one uh, triumphs. Picks and up. where yeah. the second one kind of faults, the first one kind of nailed pretty good. So like yeah. they kind of even out. I feel that. Yeah. But we'll talk about that again right. in our in our next one. Um, but Avengers, phenomenal movie, start to finish, man. Uh, we get really good introductions to all the characters. Uh, we get uh, toyed around with uh, like when they're going to be revealed. Like I think uh, the yeah. very first one we're introduced to is Nick Fury and, okay. and Agent Coulson. Right. Uh, we get introduced to the Clark new character, Greg. Clark Gregg, teen heartthrob. Uh, <laughs> and then we get introduced to um, uh, Mariah Hill. Who is um, Colby Smothers? Oh, she's Colby Agent Smothers. Hill. Yep, and uh, she was from uh, at How this I point, Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Who Allison Hannigan was also right. a co-star, and she is from Buffy, and married to Alexis Denisoff, married to Wesley. And as the story goes, she recommended to Joss Whedon that Colby Smothers would be great. And for I love this. her in this. She's great. In this. She's great. She and I was nails this. And I was very excited to see her leave How I Met Your Mother, which is kind of by its end a really you know started out really strong mm-hmm. but becomes a sitcom and everyone's dialing it in by the right. end yeah, and of course because it was on too long and it mm-hmm. should have been cut short after maybe like three seasons mm-hmm. and um, i mean and this is and a, she's great this is a conversation for a different podcast but <laughs> real quick because we love tangents here at story screen presents um especially over drinkers we love tangents um the whole idea of uh, TV shows uh, within the past 15 years, they've started doing this thing where a TV show's creator and the head writing room will go, you know what? We're done. We got two seasons left in us tops and okay. we want to call it off. And, you know, like The Wire did it. Yeah. Sopranos did it. Lost was the first real big one that did it where they were like Lost, you know, at the end of the fourth season of Lost, right after the writer's strike, they were one of like the biggest shows on TV could have gone forever. Right. And due to like how it was made is like, you can keep incorporating new characters and killing off old characters. The contracts come up. It was, it was perfect to keep going, but they said, we're doing six and we're calling it, you know, the Americans recently did that as well, which is the best show on TV right now. Does it have one more season? It has one final season that okay. starts airing, I think next month or this month, actually. And Ooh. I am very excited. Um, <laughs> But that it, it kind of shows this um, this general like respect, Creative control, yeah, we're creating, yeah, and respect for the audiences where we're like we're not in this to make money, we're in this to tell a story, and we're it's not, not going to. Yeah, drag I was going to say out. it's not even respect for the audience; it's respect for a story. Mm-hmm. Like it's like not extending it for the sake of a paycheck, extend, you right? Know, finalizing it when it actually makes sense right. to finish and it. Obviously, for like a sitcom, maybe those types of rules don't really apply as well. But for a show like How I Met Your Mother, where the entire point of the show, based on the name, is figuring out who's the mother. Where's the mother? Right. How does that happen? Yeah. What happened to the mother? What's going on? And I don't want to spoil that for you, that, but no, 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 we're not gonna, we're definitely a big not gonna, deal. We're not going to spoil that at all. <laughs> 
because that's that's fun. That's like the only fun thing you get. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, and I've seen the I've seen that main character. He kind of haunts Vassar. He comes up frequently. Oh, from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. He's he's hanging around these parts over here. He hangs around. He does a lot of theater. Oh, nice. He does the Powerhouse Theater of Vassar College, which happens in the summertime around here. This episode is brought to you by the Powerhouse Theater. <laughs> if only. So give us money. Thank you. But um, getting back to the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers. Is that the movie that we're talking about? <laughs> the Avengers. The Avengers. Avengers Assemble, a.k.a. Avengers Assemble. Yeah. Uh, the for Avengers. Our, for our English audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, phenomenal movie. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again. Uh, All right. So take us take us back to when this first started. 2012? Yeah, 2012. 2012. May of 2012, Mike Burge was a, was a lonely man. And May is when your birthday is. May was when my birthday so is. Was, this movie came out about a, a week before you. my birthday. As nice. I, I'm, my birthday is May 11th, so I have been fortunate enough <laughs> in my life where... Dropping that hint early well, on. Well, uh, most Star Wars movies... Yeah, May 4th. ...are released in May. May the 4th be with you. Uh, as well as Star Trek movies. Fair. And as well as uh, Marvel always has a slot picked out in May. So I always get like a movie that I'm really excited about for my birthday. Great. And I consider it that they make it for me. Uh, and I, I love them for it. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, May 2012, uh, Mike Burge was, uh, was a lonely man. Uh, he, he didn't, he didn't have uh, a girlfriend that he could, uh, you love like you were having a good for time the rest of then. his life. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I, good, I would have to say as a bystander, I'm a good then. faker. You're a good faker. I'm a good faker. I had, you, I had, it looked like you were having fun. I had met you at that point. Right. We had known each other for about a month and then we started dating roughly about a month after this movie came out. Sure. And so now it's been, uh, we, like we've been dating since the, since like the Avengers got together and they assembled. So, we so in assembled. some way. Because the audience wants to know. We are like two Avengers that Avengers assemble. assemble. Love. Um, but no, this was, uh, nobody knew how it was going to turn out. I mean, obviously I did because it's Joss Whedon and it's like, come on, man, he's not going to drop the ball on this. We were waiting for this. And then Age of Ultron came out. Uh, but it's... Uh, we'll get to that. It's fantastic. You get a new costume for Captain America. You get a right. new suit for Iron Man. Uh, Thor's, uh, kind of got like a, a cool upgraded suit as well. We got a brand new Hulk, uh, complete with chest hair. True. First for any Hulk iteration, animated or live really? action. First time that's ever fucking happened. Really? Chest hair. And I think the secret of Mark Ruffalo's success as the Hulk lies within the chest hair. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Keeping it real. And you can think that that's a joke, but I'm telling you, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. I think it is. I think my favorite, upon seeing that for the first time, my favorite sequence was having that fight sequence where the Avengers are meeting each other in the beginning, where Thor is trying to get Loki. Mm -hmm. Iron Man is essentially like, yo, I need to stop Thor. Mm -hmm. And then Captain America shows up and is like, what the fuck, stop. I'll cut it out, yep. And it is the best sequence. And it's kind of, you know, symbolic of how Captain America is in the Avengers and then goes on to be later on in these films that he's kind of the de facto, you know, he is the captain. Right. Like, he's the leader. He's sort of the leader without any of them deciding it. It just, mm -hmm. it just happens that way. And they kind of, you know. And this is again, a, a fun little nod to the comics where uh, originally the Avengers were founded by, uh, you know, like Ant-Man 
and was and uh, the Wasp. They were on really? the Avengers. Like okay. they were one of the founding members of it. Now n- this is not the Ant Man that you're familiar with. Okay. This is not um, Scott uh, from uh, like Paul Rudd's character. Right. This is Hank Pym, Michael Douglas's character. Right. Hank Pym was originally Giant Man, who could get very very big. Okay. And he eventually became Ant Man, who can get very very small. Right. Uh, and then he eventually was the one that went on to create Ultron and like fucked everything up. He but they, they give that over to, they to give, Tony Stark. Because Tony Stark is very much the Hank Pym character of the Avengers MCU. That makes sense. Like, yeah. He yeah. very much is that where he's like, he's kind of troubled and stuff like that. And like, he's also tinkering with all this technology. Tinkering with all this tech. And, you know, you're going to have Bruce Banner in there as well as a tech guy. Having a little bit too many like uh, little tech guys is going to spoil the broth right. kind of thing. Uh, but of uh, eventually, in like Avengers number four, uh, they are looking for Namor, the Submariner, who is kind of like the Marvel's version of Aquaman. Really? Mm-hmm. And they're diving into the Arctic Oceans, trying to find him, and they come across this iceberg that's got, holy shit, Captain America in it. Oh, A Marvel okay. character from way back in the 40s and 50s. Which that is has how been gone Captain so America, long. the first Avenger, ends, right? Because at the end of that, yep. he crashes his plane into the ice. Mm-hmm. Oh, we probably should talk about that post credit scene from First right? Avenger. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, post credit scene from Captain America, the first Avenger, he wakes up. They've created this essentially set piece where he's in the hospital it's, wing of the 40s so fucking cool which is so heartbreaking all of this is directed by joss whedon as uh, by the way too i did not know that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why is that the case how did that happen? well because he was already directing the avengers and um, so they were like can you like that's uh really? all, all of the post credit kind of a slap in the face all of the post credit scenes <laughs> no no no. all the post credit scenes of almost all the movies that have been coming out in phase three so far have been directed by james gunn really and it was mainly because they had scheduling conflicts with oh. all different actors that were going to be in it. So they had Joss Whedon do the end credits of mm-hmm. Captain America. Oh, fuck. I'm fucking this up. Hold on. <laughs> it's not the post credit scenes. I don't know. Scenes. I just it's defer the, to you at this point. It's not the post credit scenes. James Gunn directed all of the Stan Lee cameos in all of the movies. Well, Stan Lee's done all of his cameos because we don't know how long he's going to be alive. So right. And they were like, all his cameos we can get Stan Lee on set for like a week right. and do seven no, different I, movies. I, That's what that we're going That I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, as I was saying it i was like no this isn't true uh, beautiful beautiful old fashions really really bringing it out muddle the brain Mm -hmm. muddle the fruit hey i'm like they're still good cheers cheers to you that's fine i'm still very very proud of myself of uh being able to remember emily van camp's name no dude i mean considering that i'm gonna put it out there for you story screen listeners everwood on the original wb network was one of my all-time favorite Family drama shows. I've talked about it on several episodes already, and it is great. Well, I'm trying to get Mike to watch the rest of it with me. It was only lasted four seasons. I was pretty uh, heartbroken. Diana was really sad when the WB and UPN merged, and Everwood got dropped, and Seventh Heaven prevailed. Yeah, this is one that fell to the wayside. This is a sore spot for me. But as somebody who's watched Seventh Heaven and now starting (laughs) to begin watching Everwood, I can tell you that, in my opinion, Everwood. Even just after one season is the superior show. Superior well, characters. I never watched Seventh Heaven, but the, the snooty teenage Diana felt the same way. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. And but... snooty Mike Burge feels exactly <laughs> the same way. 
but but that's one of those shows where they knew they were going to end and they wrote an ending for their fans so that was that was a sweet spot i'm excited we just finished season one we're taking a little tiny break so i can really get that feel of like what's gonna happen next and (laughs) So, but I'm, I'm super excited. Drama's going to happen next. Highly, highly recommend Everwood for all of our Avengers fans out there. <laughs> Emily Van Camp's in it. She's a shining star, and I've never seen Revenge. I'm only basing this on Everwood. It's sweet, sweet melodrama. So if you like Joss Whedon, you're going to dig that. And also, Michael Green is one of the head writers. Right. And that's the dude that wrote Logan and Blade Runner 2049. Right and, the Orient and the showrunner is Greg Berlanti, who just directed... Love Dear, Simon? Love, love, love Simon? Simon. Yeah. yeah, Love Simon, which I've we're been picking see, up we're a lot see of buzz. This week. I want to see that. Totally. I've, heard, I've heard good things. So, uh, but Captain America, the first Avenger, ending in the ice, and he's there, and then he wakes up in a faux cheesy hospital room, realizes it's fake, runs outside, and he is in Times Square, New York, present day. 2012. And yeah. that is effed up. It's pretty good. And it's pretty Nick it's a Fury, pretty great Nick Fury shows yeah. up. It's been a great a, sequence. Been asleep a long time, Cap. Right. It's a great sequence having him run outside <sighs> and, and be in that craziness. End. It's 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 awesome. And that line at the end that he says, he's just like, uh, I had a date. Right. <sighs> it's so heartbreaking. It is. Yeah, he's got that pocket watch with mm-hmm. the picture and of I mean, Peggy. And that makes everything else more in the Winter Soldier, which we'll talk about more on that. Just like, oh, it's so yeah. oh, it, hurts. Oh, it, it hurts. hurts. It hurts. It hurts. And that's good. Yeah. If a movie makes you hurt, this fake fictionalized uh, sound and light show on a screen, right. if that makes you doing feel something, like it's doing, not only doing its job, it's doing a real good job at True. it. That's why I think, again, not trying to get back to Everwood, that's... <laughs> Why I think Everwood is such a great show is because, like, I cry continuously in that show. I'm a very sensitive guy. We all know that. But this one is really good at pulling the heartstrings. And the heartstrings aren't easy to play. You've got to tune them just right before you start singing that sweet melody. Mm. And if you don't tune them right, it's going to sound like shit. And I ain't going to sound good, which means I ain't going to cry. Fair. But they're good at doing that. (laughs) Avengers made me cry for a completely different melody reason. Explain. Oh, it is just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. Finally seeing these characters. I, I grew up reading comics. I love the Avengers. I love Captain America. Thor is like one of my favorite characters in the comic because he, he's always utilized in these different ways, depending on who's writing him. Um, right before the Avengers came out, uh, like, you know, for a few years before that, there was this great Ultimates run. Okay. Uh, uh, where they created an ultimate universe of Marvel where they were going to pretty much start from scratch and retell all these characters' origin stories. And mm-hmm. the Avengers became the Ultimates. Okay. And it was a 13-issue run. They eventually had a second uh, season of 13 issues as well, which was also really great. Went on for a little bit after that, kind of fell apart. But it's uh, it's like a very realistic version of... What the Avengers would be like if they were becoming a team in, like, the early aughts, as opposed to becoming a team in, like, the 50s or 60s. Fair. And it's uh, out of fucking control good. (laughs) Um, It's drawn by Brian Hitch. Good recall. And was... No, don't give me just yet. And was written by... (laughs) Was it Mark Millar that wrote those or was it Brian Michael Bendis? I think it was Mark Millar and I'm just going to fucking I love Brian say it was Michael Mark Bendis, Millar. but I'm going to defer yeah. to you well, because I don't know. Brian I Michael Bendis was more heavily involved with um, 
Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Recreated, which I have read, which but is not, like, and yeah. that, that's I'm bringing it up because that's important for the MCU iterations of like their interpretations of who these characters are. Yeah, are inspired by the classic characters because that's who we know, right? But they, uh, like, attitude-wise, are very grounded in this ultimate uh, revamp that happened in like the early mid aughts with uh, the Ultimate Universe. The Ultimates is very much what they're doing with the Avengers. Tony Stark is an alcoholic, right? Kind of thing like that. Well, that happened in the originals. All these characters have a little bit of PTSD, more right. so after the Avengers. Right. The Ultimates whole thing was like it took all of like the little quirks and like little like tropes of these characters and just turned them a little bit darker and made them more so realistic. In and the gritty. original comics, was Spider Man Marvel or? Spider-Man was Marvel Comics as a comic book? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to <laughs> show my my not knowledge. Yeah, but you fucking noob. What yeah, fair enough. Well, because of the movies mm-hmm. and all of the studios. Oh, with the, no, no, that's actually you know, good. Yeah, so because I wasn't it's sure because, from Sony. because now Spider-Man is in the Avengers. Yes. But before I know Spider-Man wasn't the, part of the Avengers. This is the whole thing with 20th Century Fox and Sony yeah. owning several Marvel characters from the late 90s and early aughts before the right. MCU became a thing. I mean, I am the youngest of three girls, so mm-hmm. I did not grow up reading comics i was late to that game mm-hmm. that was a more i sought that out myself so totally yeah. no no yeah, but that, yeah that was i was looking at you at first i was like yes spider-man's marvel you yeah dweeb. You dweeb. actually you no that is a that is a good point it's like yeah. there's a reason why spider-man was so hard toby to get. was not gonna be in the avengers mm-hmm. there's a reason why uh chris evans is allowed to play captain america but he already played the human torch fair in that you right. know which he was also the best part of I really movies. enjoyed him as the Human He's Torch. Very good. Yeah, He's got a great line Jessica in that one, Jessica Alba wasn't a good Sue Storm. No. 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 No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> he's got a great line in that, I too. I did enjoy where, the where guy the doctor, that played... The nurse is, like, taking uh, Chris Evans uh, as Johnny oh. Storm, taking his temperature, and she's like, wow, you're hot. And he's like, thank you, so are you. Yeah. And she's an attractive nurse. Fair. There you go. He wants to... Yes, I understand. That's what he's doing. And Thanks. it's like, cool. Two thumbs up. <laughs> it's cool. Good joke. It's caliente. It's ca- <laughs> Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, but okay, so we've got... So you got your Avengers coming together. Coming together. So Loki essentially is the catalyst. He's the villain mm-hmm. of the Avengers He's our bad guy for this movie. He essentially shows up. We do not realize that he is being kind of promoted or pushed along by Thanos, but he shows up with this awesome, what, scepter? What do you call that? Well, yeah. what he's got there he's is... He's got the Mind Stone, but he's got in what? What's it's become like known awesome as staff, Loki's, scepter Loki's scepter, yeah. which originally, I think we were led to believe that this was something that was powered by the same power that powers the Tesseract. Right. And... I guess in the long but run, they're separate. we're not wrong in that. It is powered by the same power. They're both infinity they stones. They are both infinity stones. And it, it, we are, it was always a confusing thing. I was like, if the Tesseract is this thing that like can create energy and can transport people to places, because it transports Red Skull up into space somewhere. Right. And at the end of the movie, it's used by Loki and Thor to transport back to Asgard. Right. How is this thing able to... like? 
like mind morph like Hawkeye and all of these people. Well, that's a separate thing. It's the Mind Stone. Because we realize that it is in so fact the, the Mind Stone. The Tesseract is what? The Tesseract is the Space Stone. The Space Stone. The Space Stone. Okay. So, I mean, I guess, uh, you know. And how this, many stones are there? Are uh, there five? There are, um, there are Four? six. There's six. There are six. You think about it, you have five five fingers. Right. I thought all there of would them, be five. All of them get a stone, but then you also get one for the hand itself on the palm. That's how I always remember that there's six. Oh, sometimes okay. I think there's five. Sometimes I think there's seven. Is six. Okay. All right. So you got... And even more fucking confusing for somebody like me, they change the colors from the comics. Oh. It's very fucking confusing. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So in all intensive purposes, the Avengers is just dealing with the Mind Stone in the Scepter and then the Tesseract, and which is the, the space, stone. space Stone. Yes. But we don't know it's the Space Stone at this point. We don't know it's the Space it's Stone at this point. That. We just know that it's like this kind of like, it's a, it's uh, it's a very powerful a alien cube. artifact. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cube. It's, it's like a, a glowing blue cube. Originally, it was pitched as like this cosmic cube. Right. Which is a separate thing and we in, got... in the comic books. The cosmic cube is a thing that can alter reality, essentially. Huh. And you can get enough cosmic cubes together and you can, like, uh, really fuck shit up, like, make Captain America a Nazi. Like, you can do some really fucking weird shit. Does that actually happen? That happened in the comics uh, last year. Jeez. I don't think it's resolved just yet. I don't read the comics anymore. Oh, last year. So that's About relatively last year. new. It's very okay. new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the start of Avengers 2012, we've got uh, Dr. S- is, it, is he Dr.? Professor Selvig, we've got Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård, yep. Working with the Tesseract. He's working on the Tesseract. He's like, he at, is at the, part of S.H.I.E.L.D. At, at this point. At the end of Thor, right. we are shown uh, the Tesseract for the first time. Right. Uh, there's the, uh, the the post credit scene shows uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character, Dr. Selvig, coming into S.H.I.E.L.D. with Nick Fury there saying like, oh, look at this blue thing. We got to try and figure out how this thing works. Loki shows up and looks in like the mirror, but he's not actually there. And he's like, well, doesn't that sound interesting? Stellan Skarsgård says the same thing. This does not make any sense moving forward (laughs) into where they were going. I think they were going for the idea that eventually Stellan Skarsgård is going to join him. They didn't realize what they were going to do. Right. Absolutely fine. I never really take the post-credit sequences really as like... I mean, like they are, but like especially with Thor, this is like one of the first times they're doing it. Yeah, they don't really understand the implications out. of what yeah. they're trying to do. Obviously, Joss Whedon came in and said, like, well, yeah, Stellan Skarsgård will be like a part of his team and stuff. But um, I think this is the way that that should happen. All right, so he is experimenting or trying to learn about the Tesseract at yep. the start of the Avengers, and then we have Loki show up. Mm-hmm. And Loki's fucking with them, essentially. So he shows up with his scepter, with the Mind Stone. We've already got Hawkeye, who's in the wings as our protector, you know, on guard. He's keeping he's keeping watch, yep. Right. And then... The world's best security system. Yeah, I guess. Jeremy Renner. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the Hurt Locker, I'm not going to lie, mm-hmm. but... We'll see. I mean, and I'll just say too, and I'm not going to have a lot to really. I think all the love that I could give him for this movie, I already gave him. <laughs> uh, but we'll. I'm definitely going to be giving him more love as we talk more down the line in this miniseries. Uh, Hawkeye, I think, is a really cool character because of how little they utilize him. Huh. And and by why treat- do you think that? 
Well, by treating him as like this kind of like side character and never really giving him the spotlight, so to say, as like, like they... one of the main four members. You All know? right, we'll talk about it more when we especially with Ultron. Age of Ultron. Yeah, that's but, why I, I mean, said I'll save that conversation yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah, but he is. I think that he is a character that is very um, uh, realistically and empathetically fleshed out, as opposed to we're going to see this guy. Like, we're going to see Thor save the world time and time again. Right. Captain America stop a foil from a supervillain time and time again. Hawkeye, we never really get him to do that. He's always part of a team. and sure. But in being part of that team, we see that he's a goddamn real good team player. Sure. And we eventually learn, like, where he's coming from and all this and why he's doing this. And I think it, it, it humanizes him in more of a way where normal human beings like me and you that – don't have super soldier serum in our blood or don't have a yeah. mythical hammer or a suit of armor that we can get into or anything beyond that. He's the most relatable. He's a he dude is. that's really good at shooting the bow and arrow. True. Yeah. You know, like Jennifer Lawrence but got that. He's a normal, in theory, human being. Right. He has no actual super abilities. He's right. just good at what he does. And where like uh, the first Avengers kind of drops the ball in that idea, which hasn't even become an idea yet. Age of Ultron kind of creates that idea where it's like, well, Hawkeye was kind of misused in the first Avengers because he was a bad guy for most right. of the movie. Okay. So we don't even know who he is. He's just like, he he's we see him, he goes, blah, blah, blah. Just like he did in <laughs> Thor. Because remember, he, he first shows up in Thor for yeah. a brief scene. Really and short. Then, and then he's a bad guy. Yeah. And he's a very skilled bad guy. Really good. And then all of a sudden he's a good guy and he fights and that's it. Right. We almost get like no exposition for his character really at all. And in Age of Ultron, they go, well, now here's a little bit of salt and pepper yeah, on top of that bland steak. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's really interesting, but that's for the next episode. Totally. Mm. Um, so yeah, Avengers, Loki coming on down, Thanos... As like we will find that Thanos has sent him there to we'll find out that to he's get the, the Tesseract puppet master. Yeah, because Thanos yeah. is trying to collect the Infinity Stones, and so yeah. he wants uh, to take out half the right. universe. Yeah, he's got six of these little bad boys all throughout the universe that he's got to get. He's already got one, the Mind Gem that he's put right. inside a scepter, and so he needs to get another one. So he gives the Mind Stone, the only one that he has, to Loki to, Loki to go get the other one, which. And you, Loki... can, you can snark at that, but also, like, if you're going to send a dude to get an Infinity Stone and you already got one, yeah, weaponize that Infinity Stone right. that you already have. And, and get plus, it, go. Loki's go-to is that he wants to be in control. He mm. wants to be... Loki wants to be king. Loki, Loki wants, wants to be, to be king ruler. Of he wants to be something. beloved yeah. by his people. He wants to rule. He wants to rule something. And so right. the idea is that he has bartered this idea with Thanos at the end of Thor he like flies away into space <laughs> and uh somewhere along that he is picked up probably by the Chitauri which is the alien race that Thanos commands right and Chitauri and they strike a deal Loki and Thanos where Thanos is going to send Loki to Earth to get the Tesseract and if he gives him the Tesseract he'll give him Earth because as far as he knows, there's no other Infinity Stones on Earth. Right. Um, and as a matter of fact, there definitely is one that we find in Doctor Strange. Right. The uh, the, time, the time stone is there. Um, 
The green one. The green one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the necklace. The necklace. Yep. And so he gives him the uh, the mind gem so he can take control over some people, go down there, try and get it. The Avengers have to come together to be able to fight Loki. And the way that that works, if you really break it down, is very naturalistic. Captain America is this guy that just got woken up. Right. He's got nothing to do. All he's doing is like beating the shit out of he sandbags. Wants, he it, wants it, some purpose. He wants some purpose yeah. or something. So Nick and Fury gives him And he's a soldier, that. so he yep. wants a mission. Yep. Yeah. And Tony Stark, they have to pull him in, right. even though they already disregarded him from the Avengers. Right. Because they were like, ah, at you, the end of Avengers, you're a loose or cannon. At the event of, of Iron Man 2, they pretty much told him. They tell him, like, they're like, like nah, we don't want you for they, the Avengers. They dismantle the Avengers initiative at the end of Iron Man 2, and they right. say, this isn't going to work. Like, right. it's just not going to work. And then the events of Thor uh, make them go, well, if we're not doing. S- the Avengers initiative, we need to do something. And they start doing, uh, taking the Tesseract and playing around with it to try and recreate the weapons that Hydra made, weaponizing it. Right. Which is essentially what Thanos has also done with the Mind Gem, which is weaponizing the power of an Infinity Stone to be able to use it in some kind of like projectile laser thing. So Thor comes back specifically because he's coming to try and Loki. Yeah. And Loki has popped back up on on the radar. How does Thor know that? Well... For the keen-eyed observer, <laughs> you will notice that when Thor takes Loki from the Quinjet and lands on, like, a ridge and they have their really cool, like, kind of Shakespearean play, like, uh, Which like I enjoy. talk. Yeah, I very do. much. I love I it. I enjoy that. There are two ravens that eventually fly away. And these are the two ravens of Norse mythology and in the comic books that are the eyes of Odin on Earth. Okay. And they they scour Earth and they watch and they report back to him. So obviously these birds were there. They saw, hey, Loki's been fucking around over here. Thor can't get back to Earth because he destroyed the Rainbow Bridge at the end of Thor. There's no way for him to get back to see Jane Foster. The Bifrost, yes. So uh, it's kind of skirted away like Odin did some kind of black magic to be able to get Thor there. Which I think is also, in retrospect... A really good, uh, like, little, like, inkling to what we discussed in Thor Ragnarok, where we realize Odin came from, like, this, the kind of black magic, disruptive nature and conquering, like, this colonialism. Yeah, he wasn't as good as he is known Exactly, yeah, Yeah, and so he knows how to do this. And if you you get a chance, go ahead and listen to the audiobook of Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, mm -hmm. because it gives all the cool backstory mythology that the Thor comics are based on. Mm-hmm. And it's slightly different than the modern day Thor Ragnarok movie, but it's really enjoyable and I think you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, Neil Gaiman is just like... And his voice as an audiobook. Woo! Mm-hmm. He's great. Does he read it? Yeah. He oh, always, that's awesome. He always, I didn't know that. He always does all his own audiobooks, like the Graveyard Book, uh, Neverwhere, you know, American Gods. He always does his own audiobooks, and he is fantastic. Cool. So I give that a, a thumbs up endorsement for sure. Awesome. All right. Uh, and so... so um, that's why Thor comes for Loki. Right. They get Tony in because they're just like, you're super smart and you're one of these super guys. And right. like, there's this big shit going down. Um, and Thor comes in for his brother, but Tony Stark really comes in because he like secretly wants to be part of the Avengers. He's yes, like, oh, absolutely. you didn't want me, but I want to be part of he it. He does. Yeah. And he tries to play he's like, he doesn't. He's like, you need me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Black Widow is in because Hawkeye gets taken captive. Right. And uh, she's also sort of been part of the... 
pseudo totally. shield yeah. Avengers. She would have she would have done it either way, but now this makes it personal. She seems pretty loyal to Nick Fury. It gives her involvement a little bit of heart, right? Which everybody else so far already has, whether it's in like. A negative or positive way. Tony Stark is a little selfish, so he wants to be a part of it. Captain America is feeling lonely and isolated, so he wants to do something about it. Black Widow has lost, like, the only person that she even really considers a friend and comrade. Right, and Clint. And, uh, and Thor is there, like, to stop his brother from doing something crazy and try and save what semblance of, like, their brotherly love and relationship that they and have from before. Plus, at this point he has a soft spot for earth because he loves absolutely Jane. Yep. so he wants to protect earth it's sort of like his like baby project mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and we get that little side spot like natalie portman will not be appearing in this movie because <laughs> we have moved her to an island to keep her safe yeah we've we've brought her to canada on sure. our, a supposed phd project gotcha gotcha to thank make you her feel needed yes thank you very much really appreciate it give me <laughs> a picture of natalie portman on the computer screen right she's not around don't yeah. worry about her colson said she's fine she's fine she's fine <laughs> um and then the only other member i mean obviously nick fury is involved because like he lost the tesseract and right. it's shield's job to do this right and the other uh member is bring uh, it in. bruce banner bruce banner now and this is what's key about this is they don't bring bruce banner in because of the hulk now they should. A little bit, they do. They do. But they initially bring Bruce Banner in by saying, we need you to be able to try and track the Tesseract by the gamma rays right. that 80 emits and stuff like that. But they essentially build into their awesome, you know, it's like a, a naval, I don't know, it's, it's like a ship and then it becomes a... Space station, airplane, the, the obje- whatever it is. The object of transportation that you are referring to is the <laughs> helicarrier. There we go. That is what it's called. <laughs> I. But they essentially build a cage for the Hulk because they kind mm-hmm. of assume that Bruce Banner at some point is going to become that. Which is a direct nod to a uh, concept that was developed in the <laughs> Ultimates comic books. Ah. Yes. And, and in that... Uh, Bruce Banner is based off of Steve Buscemi. Really? Of all people. Yeah. What? He looks like Steve Buscemi. Really? Yeah, it's really cool. I love Steve Buscemi. It works. Mark Ruffalo's better. <laughs> um, so they bring him in, and and how do they bring him in? I mean, Scar... They send ScarJo to get the big yeah, guy. Yeah, ScarJo goes to, I believe, India? I believe. Where he is administering medicine and doing altruistic work keeping in the middle it, of nowhere. Keeping it low, just trying to low help people. profile. Mm-hmm. And then she goes and kind of lures him to a more removed outskirts of the city to talk to him to bring him in. Yep. And he is always referred to as the big guy. The big guy. And, and he always refers to the Hulk as the other guy. The other guy. Yep. Right. He only says Hulk about mm, more than halfway through the movie where he... Yeah, he almost never says he Hulk. Says, he says, like, but the Hulk, I mean, the other guy, like, he's trying to refer to him as that because the Hulk is giving him a personality as if it's a thing that's not within his control. Right. Which... We, on first viewing, are supposed to see that as he's still neglecting the fact that this is a part of him and something he needs to deal with. But we later find out, like, no, this is how he deals with it. Right. Is that he is always angry. He is anybody that's on Facebook at all these days. You're always (laughs) angry. And that's how you're able to keep your temperament in check. Is that if you're always mad, you get used to being mad. 
And when you get mad, it's fine because you're used to being that and you can sure. control when yeah. to let that rage out. And that's a really interesting way. That's Joss Whedon created that way for Bruce Banner to be able to control the Hulk. That makes sense. Uh, in the comics, uh, eventually Bruce Banner does is able to control the Hulk and both minds are, be able, are able to act at the same time. Mm-hmm. In this first movie, which changes later on, um, uh, in this first movie, it is the Hulk is a separate personality from Bruce Banner. And Bruce Banner is simply allowed to let the Hulk happen huh. while keeping control over him. Interesting. Now, it gets a little gray when you start looking at things like uh, Thor Ragnarok yeah, and everything definitely. after this. But that's definitely going to be addressed in uh, Infinity War, where I think the big thing is is that uh, he can't turn into the Hulk anymore. Really? I think that that's what they're doing. Really? I think that he can't. I think that that, that, that is Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster armor. In there, but this is very much more a conversation for the next episode right. too, okay. because the Hulkbuster is revealed in Age of Ultron, and we can talk all about all that. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, so Bruce Banner, unbeknownst to us, first rewatch, but in looking at it in retrospective, has he controls the Hulk now? Yeah. And so one of the best things he does in the movie is he fucks with Scarlett Johansson when she first comes. To get him, which is crazy, by like yeah. stop lying to me. And yeah, like, he blows she, up at her, and, and she, she pulls, pulls out a gun, a gun at him. and she's ready. Yeah, she's ready. And there's this amazing relationship, like this really cool dichotomy that is created between them in this. Yeah, that they obviously build on more in later they movies do, with this romantic angle. Yeah, which, and I like that it's not romantic in this. I because why I, would you fall in love with a person like I feel like, like it's after forced in Agent Ultron to, but we can talk about that more later. Definitely, but. but you know, obviously, if you're going to have this happen, they did plant the seeds a little bit. They in, were in respectful the of Black Widow's character being the only girl yeah. on the team. Totally. And Joss Whedon made sure that in the first movie, she's not going to be a thing that one of the guys on the team wants to fuck. Yeah, regardless of how much love or romance just, is involved in she's it. She's not just arm candy. Yeah. She's her own character. They're very careful in also creating the idea that there is no romantic connection between right. Hawkeye and her. This is a camaraderie, but soldiers and arms thing. to be fair, thing. I felt like in in a sense of the storytelling, that would have been more natural a progression than it her It would have been Hulk. natural, but it also would have been pretty much disrespectful to her character as the only woman no i agree with you on it yeah but i'm just saying like knowing the camaraderie between them it would make more sense for her to have some feelings for hawkeye than it would be for the hulk but right. obviously we but it's, in age of ultron we learn more backstory yeah. about hawkeye it's and shown that it's shown that, that her respect for him is and her admiration familial. is more... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's really fucking cool to do that in the movie. No, it's great. And obviously, moving forward, they're going to like kind of drop the whole idea that, like, man, it really looks like Tony Stark wants to bang Bruce Banner. <laughs> and they move it. Which Tony Stark is... He a, just a, wants a buddy. Tony Stark is a promiscuous dude. He I, wants someone I wouldn't to put understand it above him, him. Where he's just like, dude, I'm still like super rich and like a genius. Like, if I, I want to idea... bang this gamma ray dude over here, I'll do it. Yeah, but the end credits of... It, if he of gives which, consent, obviously. Wait, He's which, not going to. Which movie is it end credits where he essentially has been trying to tell his story to Bruce Banner? <laughs> that's the end and, of Iron Man 3. Ah, there we go. Yeah, and Bruce Banner's just like fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. And that is 
perfect because that is we'll reality. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that we'll one. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. that that's, again. That's that phase but two, that girl. That is so good. That's that really so good. good. I love Iron Man 3 a lot. Um, all right. And so Avengers, they're coming together. We talked about all the reasons specifically why each character comes together and those reasons make sense. Yeah. It's not just like, well, they're all characters that exist, so we obviously got to get them together. Each one specifically has a different reason for coming to the fight, and they don't work out too well. We talked about, you know, Iron Man and Thor first fighting, and Captain America being like, knock it off, you two. Right. And then Loki is captured. And he lets himself be captured. A la 2008's The Dark Knight, starring Teen Heartthrob. Oh man, uh, Michael Caine. Oh. No, Michael Caine's still alive. <laughs> but uh, in that movie, also is Heath Ledger, and his Joker allows himself to be captured to be able to do like this whole little thing. Yeah. And Loki's whole thing is uh, the Mind Stone is right there. And now that we know it's the Mind Stone, we understand that that's what's going on here. Is that the Mind Stone is making all of the insecurities that these Avengers have, that these superpowered people have. And it's building on them and building on them and amplifying them where they're getting in all of these little tiny fights. Black Widow is the only one that's keeping her fucking shit together where she's like, I'm going to go talk to Loki and figure out what he's doing because he thinks I'm a fucking idiot. Right. Because I'm just like a dweeb human. Yeah. And she's able to get out of him like he's here and he's going to try and piss Bruce Banner off. So he turns into the Hulk. Yeah, he's trying to get him to turn into the Hulk. And he thinks that that will be the catalyst for destroying the Avengers. Absolutely. You get him on there. You have Hawkeye attack it. He's not really wrong. No, he's not. No, it (laughs) works. It works very well. Uh, Even when they find out about it, they get by the mind mind gem, the mind stone. (laughs) Plus, I love this idea of the ship in the sky. You the know, helicarrier, like, totally. The helicarrier is pretty awesome as he, far Well, as he's like, got that great line where the, at first they think it's a submarine. Right. And uh, and he's just like, oh, great. Yeah, put me in like a, like a highly pressurized like tube underwater. Yeah. That'll end well. And then he realizes then like, they, oh, no, you're going to go like super high up in this thing with like propellers. And he's like, oh, no, this is much worse because now <laughs> we get to fall when I fuck this thing up. Oh, man. And so uh, they... They get all angry at each other and they really start like this is where we start getting like the the beginnings of what eventually will come from Civil War. Captain America, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, respectively, as their real names. Yeah. Uh, become very good friends in Age of Ultron eventually down the line. Sure. And But this begins the idea that they have every right to kind of disagree with one another because they are the two leaders sure captain america is a natural born leader and tony stark and tony stark is definitely like a, a picker he's, he's, a, a he's a picker he he's thinks like, he's better than he everybody does. he thinks he's smarter than everybody and even in a meta way he's the first one that we saw in he the is. mcu right. so he's kind of like the daddy he is and, and he's older than captain america but captain america in reality is older mm-hmm and that's, you know, and then he makes all these jabs at him about like, old oh, my man. dad, right. and old man, yeah. and, you know, uh, like a capsicle, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And so like they're picking at each other. But when the push comes to shove where they see they're being um, attacked, the line like, go put on the suit. Let's go a few rounds and yeah. see who fucking does it. Turns into, dude. Go put on the suit. Put on the suit. Go we put need on the you. suit. Let's do this. No, and I love that sequence where, you know, 
um, the wing has been blown up or whatever, and then there's there's like scrap metal caught in the turbine, and Iron Man and Captain America have to work together to get the ship back. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great sequence. It's it's one of it the best parts of the movie. So fucking good. Yeah. And the and idea it, and the pacing of it, the yeah. editing of it, everything oh, like, is just awesome. fantastic. Even. Uh, like we just watched it a couple of nights ago, man. Yeah, and this thing is like six years old, and they're just like, this is primo stuff. This is Kino, yeah. as the Reddit culture says. This is <laughs> the absolute everything that you want this thing to be. And it does it in spades, hearts, diamonds, and clubs. It does it all. <laughs> Whole deck of cards. So they go through this experience, they do ultimately end up back at Stark Tower. Yep. The Hulk beats the crap out of Loki. Oh, you jumped over there? Yeah, yeah, um, Which we get to see again in Thor Ragnarok to Thor. Of course. Which is pretty fantastic because... I mean, dude, Essentially, Loki gets to be like, yay, that's what it was like. That's what it was like. I mean, puny gods got nothing yeah. on Hulk, yeah. Right. So, so we see that happen. Um, they all come together. You know, Tony Stark essentially sacrifices himself trying to close the portal mm-hmm. where the Chitari are coming through. They're all working together. And then... What? Then what happens? So they're all working together. They're all working together in and the then, city. They finally all come together after the event on the Helicarrier where they get separated. Right. They break down the Tesseract. Yep. They're able to use the Black Mind Black Widow's stone. trying to, like, she she reprograms Jeremy Renner by smacking his head really Pretty hard, just, which yeah. anybody who knows Jeremy Renner in real life, <laughs> Block that's how you do it. That's how you make him do anything. Slap him upside um, the forehead. Hulk lands and uh, talks to uh, one of the dudes from Alien. Yep. Harry Dean Stanton, I know who he is. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's really funny because at one point he's just like, you an alien or something? And it's just like, God, you guys are really going for this cameo right here. Uh, gives him like some pants that aren't going to completely rip off when he hulks out. I still always find trouble with that, that his pants are still on. But okay. Look, when 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 you're given the the choices between like, hey, the pants, hey the pants are on, man. Or like now the Hulk's running around naked. I'll <laughs> take. I'll I take, don't want to see it. But I'll you, take. Hey, the pants are on, man. But Thor gets to see him naked in Thor Ragnarok, so you get to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, they get separated, and then they eventually all come together. Where uh, the, uh, like an earlier joke from the movie where Tony Stark comes on out and says like that man's playing Galaga. Yep. And you think it's a really silly out of nowhere joke. And then you actually see the guy playing Galaga, and you're like, oh, that's a little silly. That's what the end of the movie is. The end of the movie is Galaga. It's a bunch of aliens coming from the top and coming down. Where they have to take them out. And you've got to fight them off and and stop the big mothership to stop generating them. It's a very, very... And there's this piece of trivia on IMDb's page, which says that his... uh, That Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. saying the Galaga line was improvised. Really? Um, I don't believe that. I'm calling bullshit on that. Yeah. Because that's dug into what the script itself is. I don't believe that. It's fun to just say, and IMDb is like that. It's like Wikipedia. You can throw anything you want out there, and as long as nobody knows any better. No, that's a thing that, that's a joke that's heavily written in there by Joss Whedon because the end of the movie is his version of Galaga. Right. Only instead of having one little starfighter in space shooting out these things, you got all the Avengers. And that's cool. I like that. I like that. I like that. 
Um, what else we got here? Well, it's okay. They they essentially save New York City. They do. They obviously. come. Of they course. come together, and then they go their separate ways. And the idea at this end of phase one is that we are left with Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury being like, "All right, the Avengers are gone, but they exist, and if we need them, they'll come back." And it's Why? Like, so it's it's this idea of trust. Yeah. That they will come back to defend. A promise. A promise. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where we're at. The movie works in gangbusters, man. It does. It's just yeah. on every level, rewatchability, nostalgia factor. If you were there when it came out, you're always going to have that. And I mean, it that's, really does keep up. That's after that's all like these years. what makes these great movies that we think about. You know, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, Star Wars. The thing that really makes them so good every time you watch them, even today, it's not just how fucking good they actually are. It's the nostalgia factor that you get mm. to it, that you've been watching these movies as, ever since you were a little kid. And Avengers, even though it was only made six years ago, already has that with me. It's got this nostalgic factor. As soon as that first scene starts at like some distant S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters where Loki's going to get transported in, I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm back in 2012. Yeah. Watching this movie for the first uh, watching, <laughs> Sorry. I was holding it back for the longest time. Watching this movie Woo! right in the middle of my my my, my most sincere sentiment. <laughs> so sincere. I, so fucking sincere. I it. I it. No, no. It's that much more sincere. It's it's just a <laughs> it's just a very well put together movie on multiple levels. Right. And that's what makes it a great movie. Yeah. You know, like some movies are good, some movies are great, some movies are fucking excellent. And some movies, uh, they get that little thing that shouldn't be thrown around all the time, but it's a masterpiece. It's an instant classic. And Avengers is definitely one of those. And luckily for us, the MCU has produced a couple of these masterpieces where you're like, yeah, guys, you guys ain't going to do any better than this in what you're trying to do. And that's what makes the MCU so exciting is that as they're going forward, they're hiring all these new awesome directors to be able to take new jabs at it. You know, like nobody's going to ever make a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy. And we'll talk about that. It's not going to happen. Right. And no one's ever going to be able to tap into exactly what Joss Whedon did with the Avengers. Fuck, even Joss Whedon himself a couple years later. And we'll get to that. It's movie magic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is kind of the end of phase one. This and, is the end of phase one. And we we'll get come a, back. We get the Thanos yeah. reveal at the end, and then the we get Thanos the shawarma reveal. scene. And we get the awesome shawarma scene of all the tired Avengers post saving just everyone, eating. just eating and not talking, which not talking, is reality. Which we've all been there. Which we've totally been there. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, it's like a, like a night of uh, partying. Yeah. Avenger style. Oh yeah, and they're just like, why and don't we just like get it's some next food? Morning. And I like to Captain America's not eating. <laughs> he doesn't run out of energy. Maybe he doesn't like uh, shawarma. He eats wheat grass, and that's it. He's a he's a he's a he's a down home kind of guy. Yeah. He like he likes a grilled cheese and uh, potato chips. Yeah. That's him. That's his diet. His metabolism allows for it. <laughs> the guy doesn't even get drunk. He'd be a good host of Overdrinkers. I would love to see Captain America drunk. 
Hey, maybe we'll get there. Yeah. I'd like to see a drinking contest between Captain America and Wolverine. Ooh. Yeah. I feel like Wolverine does get drunk, but can he still... He has to drink a lot to get there. But he still has to drink a lot to get there. But I also think yeah. that if Captain America, like, drank enough quickly, huh. there's got to be some. He's like, my yeah. metabolism is too high. That's why I don't get drunk. So I'm right. like, all right, so you have to just beat your metabolism. You have to just drink a lot really quick. <laughs> so, not like us. No, not like us. God, no. <laughs> all, right. So, all right, so... um. So this is the end of phase one. That's the end of phase one. We'll come back. We'll come back. We'll do some phase two action For soon. Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. Uh-huh. Phase two. And we're building our way to uh, Avengers Infinity War, which you have... If you haven't seen the preview yet, go on YouTube. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. if you I haven't seen excited. the preview for Avengers Infinity War yet and you're listening to a podcast by us about Avengers in Phase 1. Well, like, that's probably not likely. But yeah. Guys, get your shit together. Yeah. Like, honestly. Get on there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Diana, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. For doing this. This is going to be great. I'm really excited about going on out here. We're going to have a couple more episodes on Overdrinkers. Uh, Diana's coming back. We're going to do uh, Avengers... Age of Ultron, also covering Phase 2. Looking forward to we it. We also got uh, Rob Bebe uh, from over on Hot Takes. He's going to be coming over, and we're going to be talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where actually he's going to take the hosting reins on mm. Overdrinkers in some way. He wants to, but I'm not going to let him. And then and you're gonna he's going to be quizzing me on that. Jack Kolodzewski to oh, discuss... And- and me and Jack are the discussing Hulk. the one movie that we kind of didn't talk about a lot on this because we have an episode coming up. We're going to be talking, me and Jack are going to be talking about The Incredible Hulk, the forgotten child of the MCU. Nobody likes to talk about it. It's Edward Norton. We're going to watch it and pretend that Mark Ruffalo is there, see if it works. And we're going to talk about all of that good science stuff that Jack likes. Science. Science. So we got those coming up, and then of course this is going to end with us going to see Avengers: Infinity War opening night I think with it's like Jack and Robbie. April twenty fourth or something April twenty seventh like is the day that it comes Ooh, out. There you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to go see that, and then we're all going to get together and we're going to talk about it. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you check those episodes out, and also remember uh, you can find more podcasts and a bunch more reviews and articles about a bunch of really good shows and Marvel stuff. I feel like it's our first Marvel one. So I should plug, uh, I did a pod, I, I, ugh, so many old fashions. I did a, <laughs> I, I, I wrote an article on Ryan Coogler, who was the director of, um, Black Panther and Fruitville station and Fruitville station and, and Creed. Creed. And I did an article covering his filmography and why that guy is such an amazing writer-director. Very uh, His amazing. use of empathy and his use of celebrating black culture and how it works for representation in film. Is, uh, please check it out. It's you at StoryScreenBeacon.com. StoryScreenBeacon.com. Mm-hmm. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram at Story underscore Screen underscore Beacon. We're having a lot of fun over there. We're going to start doing some sweet steaks and giving you guys some like sweet free stuff. We want to give you free stuff. Follow us. Be there. Ready for it so that you can get the free stuff. Like we want to give you the free stuff that we like. And uh, other than that, I think that's going to be about it. Definitely go make yourself an old fashioned. If you don't have the stuff at your house, do it. Go to a bar, order one, drink it. And once you drink one, you'll realize, oh, that's why they sounded like that at the end of that Avengers. (laughs) Because they drank four of them. Hey. 
Did I? Really? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing good, though. Uh, So thanks again, guys, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Robert Evans Johansson. Who is that? <laughs> Chris Renner Ruffalo. Agent Phil Hiddleston. Coolson? Hiddleston. Coolison? Tom Fiddleston. Fiddlesticks? Agent Tom Fiddleston. Coolison. Stellan L. Jackson. Gwyneth Smulders. Chris Bettany.